They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. The sun enters each heavenly sign or house of the zodiac in what is called the 30th degree and leaves at the 33rd degree. Thus, God's son is said by the ancients to begin his ministry at 30 and dies at 33. According to Plato, the highest form of magic consisted in the divine worship of the gods of the world, and according to Iamblichus, the priests, through sacerdotal theurgy, were able to ascend from a material state of unconsciousness to a realization of the universal essence, thus coming to an understanding of universal purpose by which the performance of life of magic became possible. Carefully, folks, this is their own word. The underworld is not the sphere of the dead alone. It is the world of the mysteries. Wisdom is not easily achieved. And if you don't wake up, I would rather dead than live in slavery in the new world order.
make sure I'm unmuted. Welcome, everybody. I had a lot of Freemasonic undertones that clip there, right? But of course, was made by Paranoid American when he had hair. Welcome, everybody. This was an emergency stream. For those wondering about the title, number seven. Well, this is a series that I do on Patreon exclusive to supporters. For those interested in catching the other episodes, which are still fire, make sure to check out the Patreon. And hello, everybody. Just uh, getting people on the chat here. And I have no idea what's going to go down today, but I know it's going to be fire because everything that we put out is fire. Make sure I'm nice and cleaned up. I got a good crew. I have the alchemical all-stars for everybody tonight. And it's kind of late. It's 10 p.m. Uh, what day is it today? It is Wednesday, April 26th, 10.05 p.m. Eastern. But welcome. I'm ready. My body is ready. Make sure to relax your anus as you had that music that was preparing you for what's about to go down. And real quick before we get started, check out the Kickstarter for the Chosen One Issue 2. I'm going to plug the link there. Sign up for that. We have 22 people signed up. Once we get to 100 people, we'll launch it. So enough of that. Make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast, tjojp.com. And let's get to it. We have a couple people here right now, and then we got some somebody who's going to be tardy later on. But we have everyone's favorite American, the paranoid American. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, and I made that that music last year, so that wasn't oh. when I had hair. Okay, I'm fake news. That was just a year ago. And he still he didn't have hair, so that's fine. And then we have the slickest of dissidents, and the reason that we're here, slick dissident. What's up, bro? I like your shades. How dare you? The people are ready. <laughs> Anuses are relaxed. <laughs> and okay, listen, guys, we have to put the respect on these topics, the respect that they deserve. Because, put some respect on that. Right, put some respect on that. And so, yeah, we're going to be talking about something that I guess came forth from previous episodes. And what people have to understand is that when we're talking here, these topics, is, it's not just a one and done. We talk about homunculus and don't ever bring it up again. No, no. These topics that we talk about are meant to, and, and I encourage everybody. I mean, even the chat, the chat will come up with stuff that, that is crazy after the fact, commenting, et cetera, et cetera. And those comments will fuel f future, future episodes and like things, how we're doing together right now. And usually my best work, believe it or not, is when we come together impromptu spontaneous today we kind of prepared but i guess gabe got inspired by an episode that we had done about i think it was the rudolph episode right the one that we did on rudolph the second with professor longo and homie romi but we're That's here again the red nose right <laughs> no wrong rudolph but i mean who knows <laughs> if it's the same one or not but you might have had rosacea you don't know maybe maybe so <laughs> gabe welcome parent american welcome and we're going to be waiting on somebody else but They'll be here when they get here. And hey, I want to say too, man, what we do here is like jazz. It's like a, a jazz group that gets together. They might be playing the same song, but you know, if you if you go and see a really good jazz group five different times, even if they play the exact same set, you just got five completely different experiences because everyone's in a different mood. And uh, it, there's a this might be over you. Well, I don't know if you ever listened to Frank Zappa, but Zappa was also known as one of those artists that. If you went and saw them live, you'd never see the same thing twice just because they never played the same thing twice. 
Mm. Well, I got a I got a, a a review today saying that my show was too repetitive, apparently for some people. But I mean, I don't let the reviews get to me because you're not gonna cater. To what did everybody. they say? They said that my show was too repetitive. That I bring up the fact Wait. that I was a Pentecostal too many times. Wait. So. What did they say? That I'm not that I was a Pentecostal that I talk about it too much. So again, wait, what did they say? That I'm a Pentecostal and that I that I bring up the fact that I was raised Pentecostal too I much. I won't keep pushing it. We could we could run that one for a while, but we'll, we could stop. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that my show for the for I think it's the dopest show that there is, right? Because we're dope, and I touch I cover a lot of topics, more topics than most. Right. And, and, and on, in the Juan on Juan style. So whatever, I mean, people are going to, whatever floats your boat, you're not going to make everybody happy, but I did see that today. I am reading the reviews and I'll call you a bitch on my Instagram. If you want to see when you leave me like a one-star review, I'll call you out and I'll call you a bitch. Cause I get the last say, right? So <laughs> slick, what do you, what do you got for us today, bro? I think you, you, you broke some cipher. You broke some code. You did something and you were freaking out. I was freaking out. Romy was freaking out. Paranoid American. He's paranoid American. What are we looking at, bro? Cause I gave it the Voynich Maelstrom, the Spinozian cipher and occulted gods. What yeah, bro. does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I started digging in on that Voynich manuscript and boy, oh boy, there is so much going on. These fools love their codes. They love their codes. And so much of what uh, I found to be revealing and uh, precious, worth bringing light to is just the, uh, the provenance of the Voynich manuscript in itself. Uh, Not as much the contents of it, which seems to be like this impenetrable code with with a lot of fascinating mythos around it. Uh, But what is really fascinating is just whose hands it has been in. uh, And in fact, the story of all of the characters who have held that book uh, throughout time. And so... The book acts like a, uh, almost like a, you know, like a laser pointer, uh, and I'm the mouse following the book around and realizing, like, oh, I should look into this cat. I should look into that cat. And sure enough, I start seeing all these po- these patterns popping up around who's handed that book off throughout time, and uh, quite a few really fascinating reveals have come to the surface. And I got a theory on one of the missing people. There's a missing link in the chain. And, uh, you know, the little documentary that I watched, you know, they just put up like a silhouette of a person and gave us their first name is like, uh, I think it's like Barushis, Barshis, B-U-R-S-C-H-I-U-S, Barshius, that's it. And that hit a note for me. So I had started checking the timeline. I started looking into it. Uh, I've actually been paying uh, particular attention to uh, Baruch uh, Spinoza. Mm. And sure enough, his timeline matches up very interestingly with the uh, lineage of the Voynich manuscript and that missing persona. Um, And in fact, it could even be have been his father, Michael Spinoza, um, who was a, a exiled Jew 
uh, during the uh, the Crusades in Spain, they had the uh, what did they call them the uh, converso, where they made people convert to Catholicism. They forced them to, regardless of where what their you know where their heart was, where their soul was. They had to pretend to be Catholic, go through the Catholic motions. Uh, and ultimately, they had to get the hell out of Dodge, and they left Spain and went off to Amsterdam, where uh, Spinoza grew up. Uh, but it's very fascinating that old Spinoza might have been, or at least his family, might have been in a position to uh, put their hands on that Voynich manuscripts. And that is a very fascinating fit, uh, as Spinoza's uh, theology, his metaphysics that he embraced— uh, are incredibly prolific, uh, highly influential, and uh, maybe we'll get around to it in a little bit. We'll find out about Spinoza's God. Would you say that piece of information hit your G-spot, Slick? <laughs> Bro, I was getting off, man. I was getting off. You heard me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's. I, I think that, that whenever you send these recordings on Telegram, I think it's like a measure of where we're at as far as the information and the breakthrough. You can really gauge where the excitement is. And Spinoza, he, all right, let's start. I want to start with the Voynich Manuscript because yeah, it's an interesting book. Now, I have, I'm going to pull it up here in a second. I have like high res pictures, scans of it. Now, there are various interpretations of what it could possibly be. I know about it because of obviously Edward Kelly and the John D connection and Rudolph II connection. Now, is it the, the question that I, that I see arise a lot, is it a magical text like legitimately a, a cryptic magical text for some rituals or whatever it may be to conjure spirits, et cetera. Why are you laughing, Thomas? Well, let's just start with stating the facts. Cause I think <laughs> so. So the Voyage manuscript is alleged to be from like the 15th century Voynich. or something, right? Voynich. Voynich. It, it didn't come out Voynich. It didn't Voynich. come out into the public view until well, like 1912. And who has, I mean, I know you guys mentioned the guy that actually owns it, but it was accessible through Yale, the same place where yes. the Skull and Bones and the CIA. The, the, and... You're you're setting no, off. That... Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, they're they're yeah. watching Thomas. No, so. I actually just felt a little jolt of electricity run down my spine. That's so right. my my bad guys. No, so no, no, but you're right. You're right. So what happens at these places? Okay, you have to understand that there are at very powerful places these talismanic things these talismanic uh materials i guess you could call it i don't know what you what you would call refer to as uh, you know stuff and yale right skull and bones we have the the skull and bones of geronimo so that is a good connection now my whole thing is is it because i know about it because edward kelly allegedly used it and this is the this is what blew my mind and this is by Elias Ashmole, the one that from the Ashmolean Museum. He's the one that published about this, that Edward Kelly allegedly used it to conjure a spirit up in order to help him find that red powder of projection. And that's how Edward Kelly was one of the one of the select few alchemists that was able to do a transmutation in person in front of other people. Now, if that was an actual transmutation or not, we don't know. 
And now we got Peter Shell in the chat, obviously showing some love. Thanks, Peter, bro. You're, you're, you're too kind. Thanks so much, brother. And so we have this connection of it being used to conjure up some sort of otherworldly entity. And once you start involving otherworldly entities or perhaps homunculus, because another form of homunculus is like an astral guardian, like an astral type of entity that is a watcher. So the, the watcher in this other realm could be a homunculus as well, like a servant. And he used allegedly this book, the book of Dunstan, as, it, as he called it, to conjure up this little homunculus that went around and showed him where this powder was, right? So that, that's how I know about it. And again, it, it might have some credence to it because we know that, that these elites, when they collect things, they don't collect them just because, right? They're not going to have them just because. And so is it a magical text written in code or is it some other type of code that's written in a magical sort of way to a, a whole different meaning, right? So you have this, this double edged sword from, from me doing my research of, is it an actual magical a grimoire or is it some, is it occulting something else behind it being a grimoire? You know, you get what I'm getting at? You like, you, you understand what I'm trying to say? It's like, is it BS or not? And I mean, when you trace the is, hands, is there even an agreed upon sort of consensus, even in any, is there even like a 1% consensus? No, or it's just dude. everyone that, that takes a look at it interprets it differently. They, the, the, we have the only agreement that everyone has come to is that it's unsolved. Like that's the only thing now. And think about this. We're talking about this in 2023 and this could have possibly been bro to be hundred percent could have possibly been just some guy putting his boogers under a microscope and drawing what he saw. And here we are try like the greatest cryptographers have looked at this work to try and decipher what it was or what it is. And here we are trying to decipher it as well. And it could have been just some dude who was right. just, you know what I'm saying? Like some alchemist, like, mm, I wonder what this looks like. Under and I'm gonna I wonder, it. could this be like an aristocrat's joke, but like the alchemical version where it's just like <laughs> this, this long joke that just keeps getting past generation to generation. And they just like, oh yeah, I've had the Voyage manuscript, Voynich manuscript too. And everyone just kind of claims to have had it in their library at some point, just as like an elaborate prank. Voynich. Yeah, so Rudolph allegedly had it because he was he was a collector of all things. Okay, he was a collector mm -hmm. of everything. And he was on a, tri on a Trithemius kick, which is the father, the Mac Daddy of cryptography. Okay, so... These guys during this era, and that's what I love about the Renaissance and I love about the alchemical revival and all these different things that were going on during that time. They set the pace for where we're at today. Rudolph helped kick off the scientific revolution as we know it today, for those that believe in science. And then we have the Spinozian connection there, who was inspired and also inspired some very very influential people which we can get into here in a little bit and we have our next homunculus our resident homunculus shout out to everybody in the chat we have 115 people i'm trying to break the 200 mark tonight so welcome everybody 
can we get another shout out for that uh chosen one issue two absolutely make sure let's see where we're at how many people are are actually stepping up and doing this we're at 22 22. i'm not i'm not i'm holding this stream hostage (laughs) no one's gonna talk (laughs) until we get 23 or whatever the next number is i'm I'm muting everybody until we get another all right there it is right there make sure to show some love and we have our everyone doesn't cost anything you could just sign up and say notify me and what happens if you get 100 then kickstarter gets notice of it and then they might add it to like their little editor selected screen or whatever the stupid gatekeeping stuff is but this is how you hack the algorithm so everyone hack you're gonna turn into a hacker tonight it's the matrix smash that like button and i'm gonna bring in our next homunculus here because i'm excited for this one this one's gonna be a good one it's gonna be good guys here it is here is everyone's home (laughs) everyone's Homie, homie, Romy, homie, Romy, what's up? <laughs> Hello, bang, bang, bitty, bitty, bang, bang. Got a, uh, an extra special guest here uh, also. Hey, another homunculus. Welcome. <laughs> Can a homunculus have its own homunculus? Is that is that legal? Apparently so. It's a paradox, <laughs> but hey. <laughs> They it's, both uh, exist. I mean, it's you can't stop the homunculus once it's on its own track. It's <laughs> wow, just, man! It's out, it's out for the it's out for the ruckus. That's so. scary, bro. What happens if you're if you like walk in and you catch your homunculus like burying its sperm and its poop out in, in the moonlight? You'd be like, "Yo, what are you trying to do, bro?" It, it, it's become sentient. <laughs> it's become sentient. So, welcome, welcome, Romy. Of course, you're late as always. Stoner time. Yep. It's all good. I understand. But we're here, and Thomas is queer. So back to the topic at hand. (laughs) Romy and I finished doing that deep dive, that three-hour episode with Professor Longo on Rudolph, and we did touch a little bit on the Voynich Voynich manuscript. What is it? Voynichinese or something like that? What do they call the language in it? Voynichinese or something? Anyways, whatever. Voynich, uh, Voynichese. Yeah, Voynichese. Voynichinese. Voynich. All right, so I like the way that that Gabe pronounced it in the very beginning, like Voynok, almost like Enochian type of vibes, right? Which kind of connects to a lot of the the mythos of. uh... Hold on, dude. My my nipples can only get so erect. All right, so just settle down for a second because we'll just start talking about Enochian and all. We can get into all that, bro. Yeah. Is is this really the world's most mysterious book? Is there not one that's. There's a few others. Even more mystery. I I have a few others that I'm going to bring up too that are that are as mysterious, as enigmatic. But Mm -hmm. this is the Mac Daddy. Like this is the one that people want to break. And it's like I covered the Copio Cipher, which is was a Freemasonic sect of of optometrists, eye doctors. It's all right, bro. Just go ahead, peace out. The it was a a sect of optometrists that the that Copio Cipher. It's still not 100 translated, but it was broken. 250 years right the sleight of hand was their code and the sleight of hand was who could write the best cryptic code and it was only broken through the use of an ai algorithm that they were able to decipher some of it not 100 percent of it because i got stuff moving around in my room only uh, there there's names and things that aren't translated 100 percent. so again when it comes to show you at to what lengths these secret societies will go to in order to occult their their gods for one and their their rites and their rituals that they do so it was an initiate the copio cipher was the instructions of the attire they needed to wear and the initiation rites and the pseudo eye surgery that they would do on the initiates 
they would cover his eye up and they would pluck an eyebrow to to <laughs> like, bro it was crazy but yeah again copio cipher was one of them it was cracked 250 years after the fact and yeah the voynich bro the voynich goes hard and we're we're gonna go hard tonight we're gonna go hard and right, we're related to the copics at all the what was it was it was it was it related to any sort of like Coptic ancient Coptic text or so? I, I think his name was B- Baroque. I think it was or whatever his his name was. That one of the guys that had it, and I, I have it pulled up here somewhere where he were one of the one of the things that stood out to me when I was researching this was that he called it that book of the Egyptian science. Now mm. Egyptian science is what alchemy. Where did alchemy originate? In the land Egypt. of Chem. Exactly. Right? The 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 land of the black or whatever with the black soil, et cetera, et cetera. So that's Kamash. what stood out to me. Yeah. And again, I mean we can get into it here. I'll pull up my, my stuff. I don't have anything ready, but yeah, take it away, well, Gabe. The Coptic I'm sorry. church has roots in ancient Egypt too. So that's kind yes. of interesting. That, and the Gnostics. That that yeah, yeah, exactly. All that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just wanted to mention that everyone's in for a treat because we have cracked the Voynich manuscripts <laughs> and we're gonna be announcing the actual answer. But it's going to be on our Patreons only. That's right. Yeah. And you got to sign up for the one on one issue two chosen one Kickstarter. For $666, you can learn the secrets of the Voynich manuscript and how to that create your own philosopher's low, stone. Honestly. That seems pretty low. All right, dude. I mean, 3000 5000 whatever. You name the price. I'll put it up right now on the tier, but you have to sign up for the Patreon. All right. The so. one on one volume number two uh, comic book is going to smash parallels uh i'm very excited for this yo the the one that you guys are doing by the way is beautiful i saw the art i saw the coloring it's art it's been so hard not to to share any of that stuff but it's like you got to stagger it out you can't blow the whole load at once you're not even supposed to say anything you guys Uh, oh my bad my bad my bad my bad bad. Uh oh uh oh look at this this guy gets it or gal this this person gets it right you're gonna go there gabe you're gonna go there. We're gonna go there. Oh yeah. Uh-oh. Oh yeah. Uh oh. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so right. where are we at on this? Because I did jump in late. Where are we at in describing the journey of the Voynich? Are we still on uh just George the tip Barak's? right now? Yeah, we're just on okay, the tip. Okay, just the tip. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah. know what one thing to bring up is that Alistair Crowley uh he believed or claimed, we'll just say he claimed to be a re- uh, reincarnation of Edward Kelly. And in fact, that his name is a whisper of Edward Kelly. Alistair Crowley, mm-hmm. Edward Kelly. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and he also had the Liber Logo, which was another one of these texts that was, was channeled through Edward Kelly and John D when they were doing their seances. And, and it had some history before that, but the point of that text was to bring forth revelation, to bring forth the apocalypse, to bring forth Ragnarok. And, of course, your awesome boy. War album, by the way. That's the... Uh... Yeah. So Crowley had a copy of it, and he also added to it. He wrote... He also wrote stuff about John D, which I learned when I was researching for this. He wrote, like, a book, uh, some some Lieber on on his commentary on John D talking to angels or something or other, which again, but I mean, he did say he was the reincarnation of Elvis Levi as, as well. And Edward mm-hmm. Kelly. So, I mean, he's just a uh, uh, familiar for all the, all the ancient occultists. They're 
just popping through his sweet yeah. vessel. You know, for a long time, uh, I was kind of under the impression that I fell for his uh, his gag, his running hoax, that he was Winston Churchill. <laughs> and, and, and it was so... Oh, it was so uh, it's such a good one because... And what happens is it's actually worth going through the motions to disprove it. You know, you look at their pictures and you're like, okay, Winston's always smiling and Crowley's always fucking looking frumpy and shitty. And you're like, they do look similar enough. And then you're like, wait a second. They were in the same Masonic lodge. Wait, they were in the same town. They wait, what's going on here? Uh, You know, uh, Crowley hands off this hand mudra over to Churchill and they actually have so many parallels that it's very rewarding. It's like its own education system to disprove that claim that they're definitely not the same, but they were rubbing elbows. And that is valuable. That's worthwhile. Uh, that's worth knowing. They were rubbing elbows. Well, was too. a milestone, right? He was like a landmark that you would go and visit because he had amassed all this attention and attention is power. So, of course, you wanted to go and see, like, what's this guy I got? And I, sh- I want to mention, too, that the Crowley and Churchill it always reminds me of the Bill Hicks and Alex Jones thing, which right. is just, it's like, they were alive during <laughs> yeah. the same times. You've got the crazy <laughs> one and the funny one. Like, they're yes. this, like a two-headed, you know, uh, Janice-style god, right? Can you move the, the, the your camera up a little bit for the people, Thomas? They want to see the fan. They want to see the, oh, yeah. the oh, esoteric yeah. fan. Glitch. There you yeah. go. It's all right. It's all right. Daddy's got you. It's all right. You can, you can let loose. All right. Where this is, this is one-on-one after hours, do I, right? Do I need to actually raise the desk up and stand into the fan? There you like go. The halo. That's what the people want to see. We're here to give the people what they want. Hey guys. All right. The Tweedle, the Tweedle D hat. There you go. There you go. You see right there. That's what the people want, bro. Oh, there you go. Bam. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the Bill Hicks uh, thing, you know, like, uh, when you see that kind of paralleling, you kind of get the, uh, the the indication that somebody's in a club, you know, that this is a this is a hallmark maneuver. You know, we all know about uh, what do they call them? Humiliation rituals. You we know, have we the see cigar, the, the Winston, right? The the Churchill cigar. Right, you got the cigar, this big fat phallic stogie. Yeah, man, you totally. That yeah, yeah, that's right. Speaking of. <laughs> I like my fin like this. So again, this 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 guy Crowley, right? He had he was in the connection. He he said he was an Edward Kelly reincarnation, et cetera, et cetera. The where, where do we go? So we have the Voynich. It's very cryptic. What are your thoughts on it, Slick? I know you did a deeper dive than yeah. I did. Where, where do you th- where do you stand with it? Was it is it BS? Is it not BS? Is it does it have any credibility? Is it some sort of grimoire? Or is it yeah, something man. else? So uh, one one very important uh, fingerprint here is going to be uh, Rudolph's name. Rudolph, I know you guys brought this up before, but that's, you know, we all think of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He's at the front of the sleigh. That We got the nose thing with the Tycho Brahe uh, correlating to all the statues of Egyptology having their missing noses the gnosis of the noses and why they may or may not be in place. Uh, Now, Rudolph brings forward another really fascinating linguistical connection for me. And that is uh, back when we did the werewolf project, we discovered that Ulf 
is a Norse for wolf. And so Adolf Hitler is the head wolf. He is the noble wolf. He's the king Poobah of all the wolves. He's wearing this wolf mantle like a crown. And so that was a very rewarding lesson that we picked up with that old project. And now we take it and we apply it here to Rudolf. Rudolf becomes the red wolf. And the red wolf definitely, absolutely points to two locations in the Zodiac. It points to the Sirius, the dog star, which is a red star. It is the dog star. So a red dog, the red wolf, it's at the front of a chain of stars. That's Orion's belt. Those three stars point directly at Sirius, which is the markation of a highly significant celestial event. Anybody who saw the old uh, zeitgeist knows about the alignment on December 22nd, 3rd, and 4th are the three days where the sun stands still exactly lined up with Orion's belt and that dog star. It's a very sacred uh, alignment in the heavens. So Rudolph clearly is in the club. He knows about this sacred alignment. And those dog stars, the Canis Major and Minor, they are in Gemini, essentially. Somebody said uh, Sirius isn't, re isn't red. Is, they say you're fake news. Is that true? Oh, that's PK. He's being he's being nitty gritty. Uh, it's I already got the graphic made. Step 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 right in my parade. No, they do say that it changed. No, that's true. They say that uh, it shifts from red to blue. Uh, there's different camps on why because of the distance, how far Ma away. Many it is. Greek, it, so Roman, and Babylonian sources, although still disputed, definitely assigned a red color to the star. So. Yeah, and, and that was in the 16, 1500s, so that might have shifted. It might be blue nowadays. You, uh, I'm not, yeah. So the red wolf does indicate the serious. And PK, I love you, bro. You're my fucking, you're my fucking <laughs> doubting Thomas, man. So there is another wolf, and it is red, also red for another good reason. And that wolf is the lupus constellation which is all the way clear over in Libra. And that wolf, the lupus constellation, would be red also for a very good reason, mythologically, because this is the time of year when everything turns red, where the leaves change their colors. The entire color spectrum of reality shifts from green to red. And that is under the sign of this grand wolf in the sky is the lupus constellation. And what is beautiful and sacred is that that's a nine month cycle. When you go from lupus all the way to the Gemini twins, to the other dogs of the Zodiac, sure enough, you're looking at a birth cycle. So yeah, big up PK. I love you, bro. Why'd you call Gemini the dogs of the Zodiac? I'm, I'm interested. Because of Canis Major and Canis Minor are considered minor deacons of the Gemini uh, station of the sky. So the, uh, every uh, tw there are twelve segments, tw uh, twelve zodiac signs. Well, each zodiac sign has three smaller signs within it, and the three smaller signs inside of Gemini are Canis Major, Canis Minor, and uh, the Lepus Bunny Rabbit. What what you thinking, homie? Uh, 
Sorry, I dropped out. You're uh, not on the there. on your mic, bro. You're coming through your camera, I think. Oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear there me you now? Go. There you go. Uh, anyways, the the mother, which is interesting because you know Rudolph, Red Wolf, or I think etymologically also the name Rudolph itself in Old German was famous famous wolf, or like a head wolf, famous wolf. Um, uh, Lupa was the name of Romulus and Remus's mother, the 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 wolf mother, the grand mm-hmm. wolf of the founding of Rome and the Holy Roman empire being Rudolph. So he knowing yeah. that he might actually come into that seat of power, naming him that at his was predestined because a lot of the names um, that were running through the Habsburgian bloodline that knew that they would be within power of yeah, but... old German tribes, which was Roman tribes, right? Old yep. German was old Roman tribes, same, same fine letters, same whatever. Uh, yeah, man. So that's let's, really interesting. So, the Lupa is the name of the wolf mother. Right. So let's so let's run the mythology through the Zodiac. If she's the mother, nine months later, you're in twins. Romulus and Remus are born. The twins are born. So she is the source that the twin brothers are birthed out of nine months apart. Real quick. I'm getting very, and I mean, I know this is the cinemagicians at work, but I'm getting very werewolves versus vampire vibes from all this. I mean, and real quick, real quick, because Rudolph grew up at at El Escorial, which is a a Pythagorean palace that is modeled after the Temple of Solomon. I'm curious, did and, and that's where all the Spanish kings and hierarchy are buried too, by the way on those grounds i'm curious did adolf any cha- any cha- and i try to look it up did he do you know if he ever made it to el escorial which is like this this huge palace and somewhere in spain i believe because that you know again i think that these elites use these sort of things in a talismanic way but i'm just thinking outside the box and i'm getting very much werewolves versus vampires and i know we've done the Book of Werewolves episode mm-hmm. where we talked about their rituals and lycanthropy and we're talking about dogs and we right now we have a very, very big dog man phenomenon right going on with the cryptid world in Tennessee and the Manhattan right. Project and all these different things. Like, I'm just thinking outside the box just, just planting that, that little seed there, you know? Bro, I dig it, man. I mean, we got the German shepherds, you know? We got uh, St. Germain, the Benjamin is uh bien hermano is also uh, a good brother uh all of these uh seem to lend to that uh more of the werewolf camp for sure uh in there is a big threat i wasn't ready for that juan i'm glad you i'm glad you put it the seated it though because uh i do see often that there seems to be something going on between those who uh, flash like gang signs, you know, a little mm-hmm. affiliation to that German Germanic brotherhood and maybe something more of a uh, blood sucking, maybe, you know, loose vampires. That's a real thing, man. Well, we, we know, you know, in, and not only psychology, that, and, and not only that, but because I've experienced that I've experienced a psychic vampire, but also real quick, mm-hmm. we've had people in history like Joan of Arc's right hand man. I think his name was Peter de, de Rice or something like that, who was literally 
drinking the blood of of people, right? There, there, there are people who do this, and, and even in the book of Careful. werewolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're gonna you're gonna tease me and get me into some area that's gonna get us all kicked out. So Just you better use, you better temper yourself. Use code. <laughs> all I'm saying, but we've talked about this, and we've pizza talked. Sauce. There's a lot of people that have eaten a lot of pizza sauce in history. A lot of pizza sauce that's related to something else that we all hear about, right? With certain presidents and things of that nature. Like, okay. AD, like AD, ADR Enoch? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> ADR Enoch? From, from, from Rome? Some, Is that right, Rome? Something, something like that. I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. And and we're close to 150 people, okay? Let's go. Let's, let's, let's bump these oh, where numbers we, where up. Where are we at? Let's check the freaking... Let's check, let's check the chosen one. Let's see, 22 followers. <laughs> 25, look at that. We got three people signed up. All right, all Make right, sure to right. sign Can up. Can we for get the to 33 by the end of the episode can we get to 33 followers there's a hundred and well, where are we at 142 people in the stream let's try and get to, to at least 33 come on you guys yeah you can definitely talk about pizza sauce in the comments we just can't say the word yeah, on stream we can't for say the word because of stuff that you know what i mean <laughs> it just came up yeah no, what I, you know you know what I, yeah romy's having some technical difficulties once we bring that up but yeah so we, we have this connection. And again, I wasn't ready to go here either. But when you're dropping all these things, because Slick, mm -hmm. for the people, because I know that my show is a little heavier than most when it comes to this sort of, because we're, we're, we're de-occulting de certain things. For those that are probably wondering what is happening, in layman's terms, what is the possibility, what are they possibly using this for, in your opinion and in your words, because, I mean, we're here for you. So can you give the people like a layman's term of why they would do this? Like, are they using it to, to what? Yeah, man. Well, uh, for one, uh, the blackmail industry is what runs the world. And if you can prove, let's just say, uh, one of these ciphers back in the day that you decided that you deciphered it and now you're going to announce it to everybody. Uh, whatever that the hand of light cipher was all about. Now you're going to make it publicly known. You're going to be like, Hey, look, we cracked the code, but you know, there's just a couple of names in here. We're still working on those names. Well, all of the brothers who those names connect to their families, they're going to run and scatter. They're going to start making moves, cutting ties, burying bodies so that they don't, their secrets don't come to the surface because you just uh, made it public that you cracked the code and so now you're sitting on these secrets and now you have leverage and that's what it's all about uh, you know people when when mundane minded people talk about responsibility take on responsibility to get ahead in life well in law that's called liability <laughs> you take on the liability that's how they see it and when you liable. take on and when you take on liability then you take on more leverage more weight behind what you do. And there's just an interesting little twist of how the mundane mind sees things and how people of the more legal realm see things. And so a lot of this blackmail industry leads to, you know, what a lot of people, the mythology of the dark web. Well, the dark web is like 90% of reality, right? Or 90% of the data. And everybody else is just skimming the surface up there on the public side, the 10%. Well, that's actually how it works in the real world, even before the internet was a thing. 90% of what makes the world go round is blackmail. 
is these dark secret keepers. And they, if you can prove that you got the secret, then you get more weight. You get a, a bigger seat at the table. Um, and another way to, uh, to uh, garner some pull is to flash that you have access to those secrets. So one of those things would be your name. If you put a little code in your name, it's like wearing a mantle that says, I'm sitting on a lot of secrets right here. And uh, uh, one example is this Spinoza. The name Spinoza, it hit a chord for me very recently when I was researching him. I learned that Espina means thorn. And philosophically, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he was a thorn in the side of the establishment. Uh, he got excommunicated. They, in, 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 uh, in Sephardic community of Amsterdam, they excommunicated him. They call it a harim. Well, harim is incredibly similar to the Greek name for, um, for Pluto or Hades. His name was Charon. Charon, and he is the god of oblivion. And if you read about the details of Harim, it basically is wishing you destruction every day of your life and everything you do. No, pro no productivity, no value for your life forever. It's the worst it's kind of curse. TikTok. It's TikTok. <laughs> it's like TikTok. Nice, nice. So this Spinoza is an exile of the highest order. Um, in 2000, and this is interesting, that recently, 2015, they had a council come together and they said, should we maybe forgive Spinoza, bring him back into our good graces and lift this excommunication curse off of his soul? And the council made an ex uh, excellent case to say, no, nah, man, he was not repentant whatsoever. And in fact, he would be pissed if we tried to take him out of Harim. He's totally happy being there. So he was utterly uh, non-repentant. So that's just some interesting details about him is that he is an exile. He's an outsider. He is unwanted. He is unclean for so many reasons. But I just want to put this forward. That word Spinoza in Latin, it means a thorn. This means that Christ was not wearing a crown, not only wearing a crown of thorns. This means he was wearing the crown of Spain. Espana. He was wearing the crown of Spain. And now I know that there's a lot of Jerusalems out there. I know that the Kremlin, some people think there's a hidden Jerusalem in the Kremlin. Some people say Constantinople was a, was a Jerusalem once upon a time. All of that has, has valid, validity. But the one Spain that is least appreciated, Thunberg, you got it, you got it. The one that is least appreciated is in Barcelona. And I'm of the opinion that the, a lot of what gets construed and packaged as New Testament events uh, are, in fact, taking place in Barcelona, Spain. And so Spinoza's name is like a mantle, that he is a secret keeper, one who knows, who has the gnosis. And another thing about Spinoza and this was a joke back in the days. This is not me being racist or anything. This is how people used to talk back then, especially uh -oh. in Portugal. He's going to drop it. Especially Are in Portugal, in man. No, <laughs> we'll danger. be all right. I think we'll be all right. 
they used to talk about his nose, the shape of his nose. You know, people used to be real, pro, real high profile about their genealogy by turning their head to the side to show the shape of their face. And showing the shape of your face is literally big upping your roots, being proud of where you're from. So you turn your face to the side so they can see your features so they can realize what family you come and from. And we know who has so he's, he's got that Morgan nose. <laughs> we know got, which people are attributed with having big noses, right? I mean, Italians, those freaking Italians, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and culturally speaking, only those with gnosis knows, <laughs> knows <laughs> what they see when they see these cultural signs and symbols from the old ways. And so... They literally used to say that he has the spy nose, right? Because it's shaped like a thorn. Uh, and he is a thorn in the side of the establishment. And there is something to be said about the rebel spirit being carried on and uh, flaunted in plain sight uh, that only those who know what they're seeing uh, can appreciate that Spinoza's name is holding... Yeah, is holding. Someone said that's a stretch. Holding, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you did. You should have done some more stretch. You just should have done some more stretches. Get your splits on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Barcelona. If you look at if you look at the uh, New Testament events and the story of the Christ being crucified, all of the uh, geological uh, uh, attributes of the story are echoed in Barcelona, Spain. I want to point out, too, just as a little bit of backup, where some of this might sound outlandish, but the concept of phrenology was seen as like a high science for a very long time, where you would just look at the structure of somebody's face, and from that alone, you'd be able to tell if they were going to be a criminal or a genius or they should be royalty. And I mean, it's it's sort of a pseudoscience now that people laugh about, but... Uh, every single person here has been to the grocery store and seen someone at checkout and been like, oh, that person's there. That's a bitch. Or that dude's an asshole. Just because of like the bone structure or the facial uh, sort of gestures that they're making. And you don't know that person. So there's something like deep inside of everybody that makes you hone in on certain mm -hmm. characteristics of a face. And that's that's the same kind of concept of like caricature art too, where someone, you know, you sit down and if you've got a funny looking face already and you're like, draw me a caricature, you know, you're asking for someone to just make the biggest nose you've ever seen. If you, or if you've got a, a slightly big forehead, but, but it's, it's like this thing that the, the humans latch onto and they just kind of extrapolate that. So like, that's a, that's another common technique of memory, right? If you want to remember everybody's mm -hmm. name and face someone walks into the room if they've just got like the tiniest little mole it's like oh that's mole guy you know what i mean and it's like i know right. mole guy's gabe and now whenever i see gabe all i'm gonna see is a big mole floating around molly, 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 that... molly. but i mean molly. Th these are common techniques where you would you would just take like a tiny little facet of someone's you know their their appearance and then turn that into them so i, right. I think it's like a pseudoscience that you shouldn't yeah. do but it gives a lot of credit to you know this being legit that people would kind of show off their calling card as just doing mm -hmm. the little you know, so <laughs> side, I, I, I want to address mm -hmm. this guy and uh, this occultist Lux guy. I'm going to tell you something, bro. All right. Because this guy, he's, I see him in my, in my. Listen. Yeah. Listen here, dude. All right. So he, he brings up a good point. Doesn't the play on words only make sense in English? Now, 
And yep. I, but wait, again, wasn't English written by one of the greatest cipher writers of all time and brought in through like alchemical don't, meanings? Don't say that, Romy. Ch- chill out for a second. One thing I learned about right. So we're t- okay. <laughs> we're talking about Bacon and 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 William Shakespeare, right? Shaking the spear, who quite literally transformed the English language as we know it, right? Uh, one thing that I learned while researching this topic was the fact that Kabbalah with a Q or whatever, right? The Crowley one. The capitalization matters. I know that. So again, when we're talking about not only wearing your name as a mantle or using certain words as talismans, essentially that's what it is, or amulets, whatever you want to refer to them as, the capitalization is very important because it changes the numerical value of those words, right? And again, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this as as the English... Because he brings up a good point. It well, only works. I got a I got a really good version of this one, and that's that we're still based on the Phoenician alphabet. So our our words and our spells, even in English, date back to you know like the Punic times, Punic Wars, and before uh, of the Phoenicians. But even the the letter H, right? Back in the day, the letters and the numbers used to be the same thing. Gamatria used to make a lot more sense before it splintered into a million different directions. But the letter H used to be the number eight and that's why they both sound the same h and eight sound almost identical and there was an earlier version of the h which would have been on its side kind of looking like that infinity symbol and if you look what is the eighth character of the alphabet it is h so like this is one of many different examples of how yeah it's modern day english and a lot of the weird compound words that come from romantic languages and stuff but even roman itself right as much as they hated carthage and phoenicia guess where their alphabet came from too so i mean if you if you want to trace it all the way back to where it makes sense you'd have to look at kind of like the original phoenician alphabet right and i want i want to touch in on uh on that too just because uh if you guys go to the occultist mundi uh very first one big news i wrote i wrote an entire article on that specifically and it's a big passion of mine and uh and then there's only two articles that i got to go on because uh, you know, I haven't been able to go much further in on that. Um, but I want to go back to what we were talking about, um, about the phrenology and talking about the shape of people's faces and how much of an important role it played, specifically when we're talking about the character of Rudolph, you know, in the Habsburgs, right? You know a Habsburg when you chin, see baby. one. Yeah, and that's, the, that's the a very chin, good point. The nose, right? And then what we brought up in that Rudolph episode was that you look back at ancient elongated skulls and how they were venerated people of societies of ancient times that would be able to perform magical qualities and had um, had the ability to tap into the etherical realm and were likely the shamans of those groups. So the Habsburgs were, I feel like, because they believed they were part of an ancient lineage dating back to ancient Egypt that they were almost, by doing so, keeping that bloodline intact and then making their bodies stretch to a certain way. Because if every body part, you know, in different Vedic astrology and traditional Chinese medicine associate with astrological uh, similarities, then in Mm -hmm. fact you would be able to harness different um, pieces of archetype related to astrology through having elongated pieces of the body. And teeth and bones was correctly correlated in Vedic astrology to Saturn, which is interesting. Oof. All right, you're bringing up something that I've covered with Narco Longo on my show, where depending on, right, the zodiac relates to certain parts of the body. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. dude, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head using these things as a form of, 
talisman again to, to to either have influence over other people and yeah you have that Habsburg chin crimson chin baby mm-hmm. what? You know what I'm saying like they 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 and and the nose too right the nose is also very very big so yeah and who else's and, nose uh, who else's chin was also big HP Lovecraft right yeah HP Lovecraft HP looking a whole lot like uh Mark, Mr. Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> exactly and now these in these uh you know too much inbreeding leads to hemophilia hemophilia where their blood doesn't clot very well hemophilia Still to this day, we haven't changed the word. It still means lover of blood. Mm-hmm. How much is too much? Because you said when you have too much incest. How, is there a, <laughs> can you quantify that exactly? Man, it's a trip too because, like, so they don't. Some of them they don't hide it. And now, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure Freud got down with the with the cousin, uh, and I'm pretty sure uh, Einstein got down with. Now they're not necessarily royal, uh, but they are practicing this strange pattern of Oof. you know transgressive. Mating. This comment though is because you had Tycho Brahe, who was also in Rudolph's court, who was missing. Right. He had his nose cut off, right? He was missing that nose, and. Yeah, so is the story because one thing that I le- that I've learned from you slick is that right we have these archetypes and these reenact these, these reenactments that happen throughout history. Now, the angle that I wanted to go and approach this subject from was the chaos magic Tatulu Cthulhu HP Lovecraft HP Lovecraft uh, angle of it where are they consciously touching on this? Or are they subconsciously touching on this? Now, if they're subconsciously touching on these archetypes and these stories and these things that bleed Mm. through art, through writing, through films, through whatever, through history, are they being influenced by otherworldly entities or are those, and Crowley, are those entities us? Is that Goetia us? And coincidentally enough, I am doing a deep dive with Mario from Symbolic Studies on the 22 Tunnels of Set which touches on this Damn. concept. So again, that's where I wanted to go to, to, to the subject from, because again, anything interdimensional just really perks my nipples up. And yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Cause this right here, Dave is touching on a yeah. good point. Is this something in order to introduce this to children and even to, to yeah. the masses, right? Yes. So uh, for one, giving it to children, uh, children are the most uh, f- freshly tilled soil. They're, they're the uh, most receptive to the seeding of these ideas. And um, even when, you know, they find out that Santa Claus isn't real, well, then they grow up and they find out, wait a second, but those stars line up in the story of the reindeer match with the story of the stars. So in a really fascinating way, it is fucking real. And then you find out about the placenta (laughs) and you find out about the metaphor of the placenta in Who's playing Santa in your consciousness? Who is this guardian spirit? Who's big brother? Who is the sack full of goodies that came down that chimney with you? And are you fully imbued with the estate of the lineage of your patriarchal line? And were you maybe guided to think that it was all bullshit and get, get, get jaded and have your feelings hurt and think that everything was a lie for the rest of your life? Or are you going to look through that and work through that shit and find out 
that there is such thing as somebody keeping a record of your life. Dude, maybe you Santa think? is Hiram Abiff, bro. And then <laughs> you have to be the one that finds that sprig, but it's like right. fur tree now. I got a sack right. full of goodies for right. you, Dave. Now it's, now it's going to be a conifer. You got to go and find the conifer, and you find the little Santa caps. You yeah, eat the man. Santa cap, and then you realize, oh, wow, Santa's alive again. And then right. we have this there argument are... that everything is a there... mushroom, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's where the conifers grow. <laughs> yes, there are rituals uh, that will uh, reunite you with your holy guardian angel. And some of them are much more advanced and much more overt than others. And some are very, very subtle. You know, you might just walk across the stage, get a diploma, put the little thing on the other side of the hat and you're good to go. You know, uh, just to touch on like the nose and the body and the, the spine and the pineal gland and the juices and the cerebral fluid and story children's stories. Uh, one that's been re-coming back to the surface is Pinocchio. And Pinocchio quite literally mm-hmm. etymologically means pine eye. Um, a pine nut is the peen. And then occhio is Italian for eye. So it's quite literally the, the pine eye, which is pineal gland. Um and it's, it... it's high praise. And so that's that's a really in, that's a alchemical story, no doubt, because of the homunculus and, you know, well, and look at where they go to uh, Pleasure Island, where everyone gets turned into a mule, right? An ass. And this is a, a link to the story of Golden Ass. And if you read the story of Golden Ass, it's 100 percent alchemy. It talks about necromancy. It talks about the rules of how you need to guard the dead so that. Uh, the magicians won't come in the night and steal parts of their body and use it in like all these magical rituals and stuff. So, I mean, and and that's just like one of the like 20 chapters that's in it, but man, the, the links between Pinocchio and not just alchemy, but secret societies, it was huge with the Carbonari. Um, they kind of related to that. A lot of the Italian sort of political revolutionaries, they did all these nods because that same exact premise where kids would get kidnapped and sent off to work that was happening in real life. And that was what a lot of those revolutionaries were trying to fight against. So man, like the, the ties between Pinocchio and occult information and just encoded messages, like we're talking about here. I think right. that's one of the greatest freaking examples when and it it's made it. for kids. Let's mm-hmm. tie this back to the Voynich manuscript, because, you know, we were talking about the many Jerusalems that exist and the secret societies and so on and so forth. But the famous uh, tunnels that connect a lot of these ancient landscapes. And what if, you know, uh, in the, so in the Voynich manuscript, are we going to pull up any of the images that are in this, this classic book? I got you, I got you, daddy. We have 174 people watching. We're almost to that 200 mark. Let's, let's go ahead and push these numbers up. Let's plug. Are we in. almost at 33? Are we, uh, we are. Oh man. I just shut. Oh, are we I at 33? I just, yo, I had like 50 tabs open. I just closed. Oh, Oh, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Hit uh, control shift T, I think it is. No, I don't trust you, bro. Yeah, hit control shift T. That'd be badass. That'd be badass. So you drop the P off the front of Pinocchio. You get Enoch. Oh, I love you, Thomas. Yeah, that's why I'm here, bro. Sweet save, bro. Yeah, did you know that I, I actually worked in uh in fucking cryptology in the uh in the military? That's hold what up, I worked hold in up, hold for up. Illuminati confirmed. Hold up, let's hit the sound button. Homunculus confirmed. Homunculus confirmed. <laughs> Eat a bag of dogs. Hit every button. Good God. All of them. That's a homunculus certified <laughs> motherfucker.
homunculus. Dude, and those are all AI too. Those are all AI generated. <laughs> so wow. great, right? That was amazing, bro. That was that was so good. Like you, you know, you're you're not very good for anything, but when you're good, you're good yep. for something, right? And in the comment, Carbonari translated to the charcoal burners because they would go out into the woods at night and meet, you know, and and they would burn charcoal to like light, you know, instead of burning like a full fire. They would keep it very subtle. So Carbonari, but it's such a badass story. All right, so I got the stenog sten steganograph steganografia from Trithemius. God, I can't say that, but yeah, I have the pictures of the voyage in my email. Let me pull it up here. Go ahead. So I'm sorry. I want to from... put this on the uh, because we're talking back on uh, Barcelona. You know these these lost Jerusalem's. Um, Barcelona is a very crucial location. It is the birthplace of the UCC codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes. And so this is just good stuff for uh, anybody who's dealing with naysayers. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, why do you think everything's a code? Why do you think Amatria is even a thing? Well, your dollar bills, y'all, dollar dollar bills, y'all, that you do <laughs> that you do UCC trade transactions with, they all have gematria on them, gematria, whichever. They're packed with sigils, and every one of them has a little. Uh, I don't have one on me, but they all have a little. Uh, the first uh, letter on the serial number is a gematrological fit for the uh, for the number that is on encircled on the seal. So you can do this little trick where you fold the, do the dollar bill to cover the first letter. Let's say it's a B and you tell the person, okay, fold it. So I can't see it. Don't let me see the dollar, fold it to cover up the letter B and now show it to me. And you look at it and you look at the circled number next to the serial code. It's going to be the number two in a circle. And you just go a B. Oh, I'm guessing it's uh, because it's number two. It must be a B is the first of the serial code. Boom. Gamatria, gematria is functionally used to verify the fundamental reality that makes up money theism. This is a money theistic world that we are living in. And so the roots of that trade transaction that is using a gematrological code for the fabric of what makes the fucking world go round, it all goes back to another code that is called the Uniform Commercial Code, the UCC. Now that uniform that you have to wear in order to sit at the table to do <laughs> buy and trade goods, it is a mark of a beast. That mark of the beast is that you got to have this snipped unit. That is your uniform. As long as you're snipped, you are a brithalona. You are the wrist lion. You are wearing the proper uniform so you can sit at the table and sup with the elitists of the realm. So there's a lot of codes that make the world go around. Uh, and only those who know, know, and that, and that keeps the priest class in place. Here we are. All right. Shout out to the boys at Yale university. All right. So here, let me pull up some of these pictures yeah. as we talk. And the name, so a quick weave on Yale was the, I can hardly say his name. Elihu is Elihu Yale is the namesake of that location. Right. And uh, his name uh, is first used in Job 
three two two, Job three twenty two, is the first place where Elihu's name pops up in the Bible. So we have Toads, man. We have some some flowers and trees and whatnot. Now, <laughs> allegedly, none of these have been identified as actual specimens, and one of the one of right speaking of inbreeding and genetics and all these other things right bloodlines one of the things that somebody brought up was the idea that perhaps these are the same these are different ver- much earlier versions of plants that we have today except we wouldn't recognize them because these are the the right the first ones to ever pop up and yeah, like you wouldn't recognize the original banana or the watermelon or anything <laughs> based on what we've got today versions of it. Well, again, that's just a theory on what this could possibly be. Now, I did see on the We Keep Idea page, I think it was We Keep Idea or somewhere else, I'll pull it up, that they had charts for there there are repetitions to the grammar in these letters. There's what? There's repetitions. They they repeat, There's- right? There's what? There's patterns. I was a Pentecostal There's... Christian, and you know I grew up in the Pentecostal. <laughs> there we <church>. go. <laughs> what? Yeah, I grew up Pentecostal Christian, and I just got to make sure you guys know that. Just grew up Pentecostal Christian, and so <laughs> these drawings were again. I think that may- maybe this is was this was all a hoax, and and we're just reading too much into it. But some of the greatest minds had this book. They tried, some of the greatest minds have tried to decipher it. I don't know. Well, I want to point out how fitting it is, again, that it's at Yale, the, the center of intelligence breeding in the entire, you know, if you want to talk about inbreeding and intelli- and secret intelligence, Yale would be that epicenter of this. So it would be fitting that this, like, unbreakable code would be at the center. And, and that's kind of what all these secret societies were, too, right? Secret mm-hmm. societies were just earlier versions of cia they were just intelligence societies the ones that would gather that blackmail for you that's all any of this really was and two just just to say like you know because rudolph got his hands on it and directly after that some of the story is that it went um to rudolph's imperial distiller jacobus tepping tepic necks um, one of like uh, the main alchemists working in the magic circle of Rudolph, that they actually did have some inside on the cipher and its decoding because uh, they were they were definitely keeping it around the many alchemists that were working in Prague yes. at this time, and mm-hmm. so it's like that. You know what we know is like that. This is a crazy language. It's alien. You know, it's Voynichian or whatever. But I, I personally am on the boat that there were a handful of people that at least had a lot larger of clues to the cipher or some sort of code because it was it was toggled around the castles in Prague for quite some time. And maybe it was just them trying to decipher it. But, you know, uh, the importance of the different plants and alchemical processes that are described through here just from like you looking at old manuscripts, reading alchemical text, this looks like, oh yeah, this is this is a piece of alchemical history. Uh, but it's so cypherically coded, and the fact that it like, uh, you know, was replaced. So the cover was replaced when it was in the Jesuit library after it was given to the Jesuit library. Um, 
Uh, I can't remember who who gave it to the Jesuit library. Let me check my text. H.P. Krauss was the man who had it last before it went to <laughs> Yale. H.P. Krauss, but not before it went to the Jesuit library. But in 1873, when the Jesuit library had to get consolidated all over Europe because of uh, um, religious power, they were going into these Jesuit libraries and taking any manuscripts that weren't their own personal Jesuit manuscripts. So this Voynich manuscript skipped that. It would have been taken by the church, but they replaced the cover, which is a main reason why it doesn't have the original cover, why they say that they can't actually truly date it. Um, and so whoever wrote it, wrote it in a cryptic form, right? Just like how chemical texts are cryptic in general, but they didn't write it uh, in a way for it could be actually discovered. There wasn't any sort of ink that was used that gives any sort of geographical location as to where it was used yeah very basic minerals in the ink and the cover was also replaced in 1873 likely due to the jesuits not having it getting ripped away from their hands because they whoever is in the know knows where this book came from knows that it holds some of the truest uh, uh ancient texts in my opinion uh but that's some of the some of the shit that i got on um just its journey as it as it riddled its way and and it found its way in the Yale fucking library. I mean, come on. Well, I want to throw out here too, just for the context, because I really do vibe with the idea that these just might be extinct plants or hidden plants. Because the Western plants. world, well, we only started keeping track of plants in the mid 1700s, like 1753 or so, like right before the founding of the Illuminati. Essentially, is when Carolinius started uh, making an, like an entire index of that, and since that book came out there's already i think like 600 plus plants that we can verify have gone extinct since they existed back then and i think there's an estimate that somewhere between three and five different plant species entirely go extinct every year since 1900 so just imagine that all the plants that they knew about at least you know 1500 of them have gone extinct since then and and it's not just uh like accidentally oops that plant went extinct a lot of them like the the um the sort of missionaries would go around and they would purposefully exterminate entire plants you know they would name it like devil's weed and then stomp it all out and salt the earth uh because they would see that the natives would use these to talk to horrible nasty gods that weren't their <laughs> gods so i mean th this also could just be an index of all the plants like okay we just exterminated that one we draw a picture of it before we kill the last one and write a little magical you know inscription about what it did Man, that is such a good point. That is such a good point. You know, one of the dialogues between uh, somebody who was handling the book, I think it was one of the, the Jesuit uh, that was handling the book. You can handle my book, he, Gabe. He, he, he actually, he, he phrased it as, you know, this is uh, some of the most cutting edge and most important pertinent re uh, remedies for humanity just outside of redemption in the eyes of the Lord. And so from one Jesuit to another, that reads as this is the next competition in the realm, that these plants and the, the, what is hidden in this book is the, is the next competitor uh, to the redemption that we offer through the institution that is the church. Real quick, Gabe. Yeah, buddy. The next book that me and Thomas are covering for the occult book club gets into this. Now that I think of it, the mineral world 
the plant world, the animal world. And you, and it, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think of that until I just clicked, but yeah, like this, these other war, these parallel worlds. I mean, is there, I don't know what that means, but I just thought it was a cool connection. Cause I'm looking at all these, you know, it's really hard to see what Dude, these are so connected. Don't doubt yourself, brother. You're on it. It's, yeah, it's a part of alchemy. It's a part of the philosopher's stone. The plants, mm-hmm. the roots, the leaves, the seed, the stem, the water within, the water without, the water outside, the things flowing, the things literally bring. So the Druids held very highly the inner sacred waters of the of the pure water that lives within the vessel, the alchemical vessel that is earth. And so when you look at the, uh, the Voynich manuscript, it shows the roots of each plant, which is very significant and symbolically ties to drawing the waters from within to without. And so that's an alchemical process that the plants take and then the alchemists can later thus use. And when you take plants and the other part of the uh, Voynich manuscript is astrological signs and charts. Mm. And we know that through uh, Solomonic magic and divination that the time of the year to uh, and the time of the day, the time of the hour, everything is astrologically uh, archetypically lined up. And that goes the same with when you're using plants and plant magic and uh, part of alchemy. So don't ever disregard that brother. You are on the tip baby on that. Yeah, I, I just didn't you know, know how to weave it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's there, but I just didn't know how to weave it. And I mean, you, you know, what could be wild plant. here is if you had a deep understanding of botany and all these different types of plants, you could almost take the leaves of one plant and then mix it with the roots of another plant and the flower of another plant. And that could almost be like the key to the cipher, maybe like each page. Ooh. You know, you'd have to know and take, you know, take the words that would form those I different plants and use those. Cause that's usually what these ciphers are is that the key rotates constantly. So maybe even between letters or between words. So that's what makes a lot of these so incredibly hard to decipher. Cause if you don't know the pattern in which the keys change and what those keys are, but maybe these plants and cause I, I stay with you, man, uh, Romy, that, that the fact that all of these roots are drawn with such detail in some cases, the roots, yeah have more focus like that one on the left right there right like there's counted, more effort yeah. put onto the roots than there are to the you know the, the plants and the flowers that come out of so, it so it's not just plants well, right we get into other stuff as well so we're talking about the plant world the mineral world which also edward lead uh he wrote a book a pamphlet which i have somewhere here and he wrote about plants and minerals like this this occult this that is an occultist monday if you really think about it, a hidden world like mm-hmm. an, another world built on top of ours not uh, not in a supernatural type of way, but the idea that, right, if we zoom into to your skin, you can see things on your skin that you wouldn't otherwise see. That's occulted, right? It's hidden from your plain sight. So, again, that plant connection, alchemy, absolutely. But let's let's fast forward here, and it gets very Dr. Seuss-like. It gets very weird, right? So we have this thing here, and then we have a whole bunch of – so here we go. So we have – The Lorax. Lunar mansions, right? Is this what this is called, Gabe? Lunar mansions, like when when you have like like these these layouts of zodiac type esque. Yeah. Yes, man. This is the uh, the kirke. This is the sacred circle. This is the roots of the word church. Is the circle the kirke? So and yeah. even even like uh, there are so many things about the uh, circle. Uh, you know. Uh, Voltaire was in the group of the encyclopedists. Well, that name encyclopedist, it's basically a think tank, a French think tank. It means the inner circle of knowing. 
And so that is one of the many call signs of uh, when you see the word circle, it's for the initiates, you know, mm-hmm. Cecil Rhodes. His name basically is, uh, has the words uh, circle in his name anagrammed in there. Uh, but he uh, generated a, the secret society called Le Cercle, and they consumed all the other secret societies uh, uh, per his hidden, whatever, six and like seventh they will. Ate them? They ate them all? He con- they, they consumed them all. There's no longer separate agendas in those, in those brotherhoods. Uh, but I wanted to weave one real quick thing on the roots. And, th- and this th- is, by the Trinity. way, as well, these, are, these could be mandalas. 100% like mandalas of some yeah. sort. So yeah, go right. ahead. I'm sorry, Gabe. Right. Well, even the word cipher has that relationship to the circle mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, these are all Pythagorean uh, 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 groups that use ge- geometry as the code in order to get into the temple. One must have mastery over geometry. But I want to say this, um, the roots, homie, Romy, I'm so glad you mentioned the roots, man. That's the placenta. The roots are the placenta. The, uh, the placenta is your ancestral knowledge, the ancestral wisdom. Um, but also the word radical. Today, how many times do you hear the term radical used as a pejorative? They don't even put anything on the end anymore. They just say, oh, they're radicals. You know, they can say radical left or radical right or whatever they want at the end of it. But it's the well, word I grew radical. Up in the 80s when radical was awesome. And totally radical tubular. was badass. Yes. Well, radical actually means of the roots. And so what they're doing when they use that word as a pejorative is they're pulling you out of your roots. They're pulling you away from your connection to the land. Uh, and there's a whole lot more behind that weave. But I just wanted to point out that homie Romy is on point as a mofo to point out the roots of those plants. And then also, uh, Juan, what you were saying about the uh, the uh plant animal and mineral in that order the plant is first so you can if you make a mistake you just kill the plant no big deal the animal the 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 uh, liabilities are higher when you deal with the animal uh uh alchemy and then when you get into mineral alchemy the stakes are at the utmost because you'll blow your damn self up if you fuck up with the minerals so those are you have to do them in those three orders you master jack parsons that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You'll get you'll get parsoned out. <laughs> so <laughs> so I wanted to say on that those holy trinities of alchemy, I believe that what uh, Spinoza did was he separated church and state for a designated period of time so the social engineering could run its course. And then strangely enough there is an uh, that is the anode, the cathode to that process was Hegel. Because Hegel came in just before Napoleon came and wiped out anybody who could still read and understand Hegel, uh, Hegel fused church and state together indelibly. And then Napoleon wiped them, wiped everybody out. And so the quotes are that anybody who could read Hegel, he literally formed a Gordian, an alchemical Gordian's knot between church and state forever. And he used that Holy Trinity uh, pattern, the problem reaction solution. Uh, and so anybody who could, uh, could undo that Gordian's knot, they were wiped out when Napoleon came in and blazed through a scorched earth technique. So I just wanted to put that all on the record. We're touching on like real heavy hitting facts that are uh, intricately woven into this huge cipher. There's so much more other than knowing what those words mean. 
the pictures themselves are telling us so, so much. So I just wanted to throw all that on the table because we're we're uh, breezing over some crucial points. Is that a rat? What the fuck is that? It looks like a water bear or something. I think you posted some water bear AI stuff, Paranoid American. <laughs> oh, this, what harder grades? Honestly, I, I was thinking earlier, what if this was just a very early form of AI? So you know how like you just ask ChatGPT and it just starts spouting a bunch of nonsense and you can't really decipher it or it just like makes things up? There could be like a like a autodidactic or like a automated writing version of this, right? Where someone just tapped into something and they essentially tapped into like some AI thing that just, you know, we can't decipher it now. That might be encoded oh, and maybe please. it'll take AI to re, you know, re-decipher it. Dude, that's amazing. I mean, that's one of the, uh, uh, one of the theories. I'm sorry, I'm, I have to like talk into my computer now because my mic stopped working. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Good old mercurial Gatorade. But no, that's one of the, one of these like cool theories of that. This came from an, alien source well and that, you have different manuscripts like that like the codex giga where you know they say that he had to channel in this like energy or, or the devil or whatever to write the codex giga in one night which is physically impossible so i think like there what if they yeah what if this was like i love that i just love that thomas you're amazing i love you well here I so love you, dude. so Again, oh, I, I love that that pineal juice. I, I can see you secreting it right now. Bro. Nice. Like, open your mouth. Open your mouth, Thomas. Open your mouth. So the, the mango, that, eat mango, everybody. Eat mango, drink coconut water. Let's go. That's why I wanted to bring up like the the Tatulu connection and Cthulhu mm. and Lovecraft and Crowley because Crowley was in touch with this Tatulu entity and it could have been Cthulhu that he was in touch with. What thirty years? before Lovecraft was, or 20 years, I think, before Lovecraft was? 18. 18? Okay, so 18 years in 1909 or something or other where he was in touch with this thing in a certain geographical area, right, Gabe, that we've talked about before? Yeah, So man. the idea of these entities, be, again, it could be grays, it could be these tartar grades or whatever they're called, whatever it is, but some outside influence. Right, theurgical. In the, in the intro song, I was talking about theurgy and how Plato was talking about the highest form of magic being theurgy and using. That was what, William Cooper, by the way, not George oh, Maxwell. William know. Cooper, but theurgy is using outside influences to affect reality, your mundane reality, the, the reality that you can see. This is what churches are. These are these are what these different buildings are, and sometimes they're aligned to certain geometrical principles. Yeah to invoke yeah, this energy and bring it down in, in, in a way. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, just to kind of summarize a whole lot of our previous projects and research and what Juan just said out there. Uh, we did a deep dive on HP Lovecraft. Turns out the uh, Cthulhu was summoned in 09 by Crowleyan ritual. He kept, he kept a document of it. Uh, he was in Algiers, uh, New Orleans, um, and he literally, I mean, he actually did the big sex, sex ritual on November 1st, which is All Saints Day. Keep that in mind. That's actually a very important date, I've learned. Um, and so he summons Tutulu, and he writes it in his little in his little notebook. 18 years later, Lovecraft fictionally writes about the exact same details of all the ritual mm -hmm. in the same location, on the exact same day, All Saints Day, November 1st, or 
uh, it's like uh, Dios los Muertos as well. Yeah, Symbolic was there with us, bro. What up, Mario? Yeah, he was. You were, what up, Mario? He was, on, was. he was on that. He was on that weave. And so, what's fascinating about that is that uh, New Orleans, in my territories map, it has uh, two correspondences. The Mississippi River is the High Priestess card, and New Orleans is the Devil card. And Juan blew my mind a long time ago to find out that with the Lovecraft tarot deck, uh, the devil card is Cthulhu. And so that just it fits like a hand in a glove in a major way. But then uh, we always have these post-production revelations where I realized something way after we had the show. <laughs> and that is that there is actually a crater off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula where it's called the Chicxulu Crater. It's unpronounceable. That's one of the characteristics of Cthulhu is you yes. can't even say his name. Mm -hmm. The Chicxulhu crater is, I'm probably <laughs> fucking it up still. Yeah, some weird noise. It's, it's like Chicxulub, I think, something like that. Chicxulub, it's got to be, you're right. Well, it's on a geo-coordinate line where if you draw a line from H.P. Lovecraft's location in R.H. Ode Island, Rhode Island, which is the Delaware Corporation, which is fucking Vatican rich, which is balls deep in the Biden family. Uh -huh. If you draw a line from Rhode Island and you go right over Jekyll Island, you're on a perfect straight line. And guess where you land? Chicxulu Crater. And nice. the coordinates, the coordinates literally follow all of the numbers on the center line of the magical square of the moon, uh, which is a trip and a half to me that I was following these numbers of the magical square of the moon. And lo and behold, I find fucking Chitsulu. Uh, so profound. So next level. So Cthulhu was summoned or brought forth into the public uh, mind sphere with uh, uh, pirates of the Caribbean. They had the fucking Davy Jones dude was a fucking squid faced monster was basically Cthulhu being seeded into the consciousness, much like Santa Claus, of these young consumers we can, of modern day culture. Go, go, Gabe, go. Just yeah, bro. Se segue right. it. Go, dude. We're riding this yeah, wave. Bro. Ride that shit. All go. Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, so, so if anybody watched Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, there's so much going on here. There's so much going on. Uh, we've talked about the Lafitte, the Lafayettes, all of these pirates, so many pirates named Lafayette with their pirate treasures hidden all over the place. Big weave going on right there. Well, if you real, watch... real quick one too, in Operation yeah. Midnight Climax, um, the the partner of one of the guys that was running the operation went by the name Lafayette, and he claimed to be uh, a blood relative of the original pirates Lafayette that all took place there. Yes, and we've got a uh, uh, fucking. Uh, we got how... two hundred three. We did it. We got yeah. two hundred three people in the chat. We're oh, where, we, where are we at on the, the chosen one, though? Let's see hold where that, we're at. Hold, hold on, let me remove this because give me. So let's see here. Sorry, Gabe, keep going. Who, yeah, no, sorry, who's Gabe. the founder? Who's the founder of Scientology again? Oh, Ron, oh, Ron Hubbard. Hubbard. His name is Lafayette, Ron Hubbard, right? Yes. Yes. And he, right. and they're rooted in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Florida. You get me started on Tampa Bay. There's so much going on in Tampa Bay. It's 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 psycho. But I'm gonna go back to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers are the pirates, young blood. You got it, buddy. You got it. Um, so, um, which is the death card? But I'm I'm going to try to stay the course here. At the end of Pirates of the Caribbean, 
they had the two ships were battling it out. They were riding on this this double spiraling matrix on a maelstrom. Maelstrom has been a huge, huge trigger word for me lately. Ever since the Nord Stream 2 pipeline got blown the fuck up, I realized the word Nord Stream is the reverse. You could call it an anagram. You got to you got to take some liberties. You got to switch the L to the ST, but you get Nord Stream in reverse is basically the word Maelstrom. And so Nord Stream Two was prophesizing its own demise because when they blew that fucker up, it turned into a fucking little maelstrom in the ocean. And then the media comes in and takes all these pictures. Well, guess what? I'm looking at the at the prop. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit Credit card bill. Provenance of the Voynich manuscripts, and it comes to that Jesuit dude. Uh, uh, I forget his name. Aloysius Kircha, Kircha, Kircha. Uh, yes, alabaster with, with the yeah. magnetism. Yes, that guy. That yeah, guy. If you here. can pull up some any of the graphics, uh, I've got that you lineage of previous owners of the manuscript. That guy, Kircher. Kircher, the Kircher guy. He he was prolific. He is profound. He is he is a huge uh, rabbit hole in and of his own right. His entire biography is just like a steganographic, uh, uh, I don't, a There's circle a jerk. That's written all about Kircher. If anyone wants a really good read on this super esoteric dude, that's called like the last man who knew everything. That's it. That's it, bro. And they even said like. Uh, they started to persecute him because they said his writings were coming off as instructional manuals. They're like, bro, you're like giving up so much detail that you're clearly teaching people how to do things. You're not discouraging it any longer. He went way overboard with all that. And um, real quick, Gabe, one of the things yeah. that about this guy was it, there was the impression back then and the belief that if you were able to decipher hieroglyphs, you had quite literally other worldly knowledge because they believe that the Egyptians had the last, like the, the, the most of the knowledge at their time, like was, that was the pinnacle for people back then. And this guy was again, a, a cryptographer and he had deciphered or translated Egyptian language. And again, he yeah. was, he was doing what he was deal coating. Okay, I'm going to say maybe like a Crowley. Cause if anything, that's what Crowley's taught us that there is this, magical system right behind behind the yes. fabric of reality that you're able to manipulate even as a regular layman and this guy was yeah, kind of doing the same thing like hey they're like yo back it up bro right back that, back it. bring it down to, you're at a 10 bring it down to a seven because you're showing the plebs and the and the peasants too much you know what i'm saying that, that's exactly what was happening with this guy it's it's next level with him so one of the things he did he did a couple so he had like eight near-death experiences Many of them were in water, which is a John the Baptist nod. That's a, you know, the, uh, one of the things about the Jesuits is one of their secrets, and it's not much of a secret anymore, is that they actually venerate the bloodline of John the Baptist. 
And they're a little offended with that Virgin Mary stuff. Virgin Mary, they're not down with Mary. And in fact, when you hear like Mount Mary and anything that defiles Mary, that's Jesuits saying, F you and your click. We're down with John the Baptist. But anyway, he had a bunch of near-death experiences. One was in Mount Etna, the volcano of Mount Etna. One was in Vesuvius. He had these uh, these initiation rites where he gets hung upside down in these volcanoes. Then he goes on to write a book about inner earth and the mechanics of this, the steam vents of inner earth. And he predicted that there would be a maelstrom oh, off the... Kircher? Kircher Bro. predicted... That there, was a, that there was a maelstrom off the coast of Norway and that it was the entrance to hollow earth. And now my bells and whistles are going all over the place that this motherfucker predicted a maelstrom off the coast of Norway. And we just had a Nord Stream maelstrom off the coast of Sweden. It's just around the corner. It's, it's close enough for me. It's the same but thing. You can say it's the same thing. It's the same damn thing, right? Well, guess what? When Roosevelt was getting the negotiation topics on the table after the World War, before they offed him, by the way, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Roosevelt, Hitler, and Mussolini. They all died in April, exactly 78 years ago this month. Or Yeah, 78 years ago this month, they all died within a couple weeks of each other. But before he died, one of his first priorities for negotiations after the war was... What are we going to do with Norway? And everybody's like, what is he talking about Norway? Why would Norway be a top priority? We got all these dead bodies. Why is he talking about Norway as his first priority? Well, guess what? Norway had a pie wedge of Antarctica. And Norway, apparently, per this fella Kircher, is the entrance to hollow earth tunnels. Okay. And so now, all of a sudden, we got people talking about uh, maybe Admiral Byrd actually went north and he didn't go south. And so now we got entrances to hollow earth up near Norway and we got Norway had a pie wedge of Antarctica. Interesting. And you connect, you connect those two dots and you've got people signaling that they're in the know. So also another thing that I found interesting about this Kircher guy is that not only he, he, he came up with, Combinatro cam camnatrix whatever something other a, a system for generating and counting all combinations of finite collection of objects based on the work of Raymond Lowell and right, we've talked about Lowellism Doctor Illuminatus right Raymond Lowell but one of the things that I found interesting about this guy was his work on magnetism and he wrote about magnetism and he studied magnetism and the reason I bring that up is because Thomas and I did that work with Rene Descartes and the, yeah, and then that, and that it's a, it was a, I think it's a grimoire, that story, right. That occult the story where he, where he, he's talking about going to outer space and all these other places. And then one of the things he goes, you know what? I can't reveal to you the secrets of magnetism because if I was, you'd quite no. literally go insane, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a very interesting connection. And that's after that's after breaking down and going on an astral projection uh, excursion where he explains uh the magic of the spheres and he and he shows about all about the balls and the orbs and how mm -hmm. uh you know universes are created from scratch and yes. he shows how elements are formed and how matter is created from all of these different like original forms. But we can't touch magnetism. And you can 
Yeah, you can understand all that, but if I tell you how magnets work, just like ICP, because, bro, like you don't want to blow those minds. Because, and that's the thing with <laughs> Raymond Raymond Lowell, which was another cryptographer and another, uh, he was at the forefront of and computers and analog computers. He was he made one of the first analog computers, but these guys, right? Magnetism, from what I was understanding, was that it was used to drive out certain forces. Now this ties into. That hidden God. Again, back to Crowley. Crowley talked about the hidden God. Carl Jung talked about the hidden God. You had, who else talked about the hidden God? Uh, there was another one. The, the God that comes from the north, right? The Magnetism. between two magnets, uh, the consciousness between two magnets. If you were to connect your consciousness between the two magnets, it's supposed to speed up your consciousness. Like wow. that's what some occultists believe that they would set magnets up at either end of like a mirror or either mm -hmm. end of your head. To like speed it up so you can jump into that next portal. So it's like just a, like a portal opener as well. Interesting. Right? Interesting. And uh, Cleopatra used to sleep with a, a lodestone on her on her third eye. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you have the lodestone lure, right? If you want to follow that lure and, and mm -hmm, how that mm -hmm. unlocks certain things within humanity. I mean, we're talking about, right, we started with the Voynich Manuscript how maybe it has an effect on reality of some sort. And even, even, and I forgot where I read it, but it was, they, they, I forgot how they put it, but it was not the idea that, that it couldn't be translated, but the, that the translate, I'll find it. But anyways, the idea that it exists and that they're not able to trans that has an effect on it, right? The, 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 right. the fact that it's occulted and you don't know what it means. Not that, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you were to crack it, but the, the, just the sheer fact that you don't know what it means has an effect on your reality in some form or other. And again, I could be butchering it. I, I heard somebody put it and then they, they blew nope. my mind when I was listening to it. But again, I, I love that. You know what I mean? Like you guys get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and even think about the fact that the greatest code crackers that, uh, yeah, of, of history all channeled their effort into it, and that makes it a hyper sigil. Uh, I heard, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, but it was like during the world wars when they were trying to make all the codes, you know, the Enigma, they were trying to crack the Enigma code, that while those cr code crackers on their spare time their group collective hobby was working the Voynich manuscripts. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely and, right. And they have crowdsourced the fuck out of it still to this day. And a lot of people, a lot of very smart people have channeled their, you, I mean, you could say it's their admiration, but it's even more than that, their energy, their effort uh, into it. So that makes it a hyper sigil. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. reputation alone is like, is something of, of the, of the utmost magnitude. Quite and now, uh, before, yeah, before we uh, come, if they like, only knew, all they had to do was go to our Patreons, and they would have had the entire thing decoded. For six hundred and sixty-six dollars, you can sign up for the top tier. It's an occulted tier; you can't even see it, and you, you can you can learn about there. There's a series of clicks and stuff that you have to type into once you get to the Patreon page. But let's check the Kickstarter here. We have two hundred and twelve people in the live stream. We have twenty-eight nice. people. Signed up. Let's get to 33 by tonight. Come on. I mean, we can yeah. we can do 33, right? And I just want to let my audience know that there are a whole bunch of degenerates. I see the comments you guys are leaving, okay? I see what you guys are saying. And uh, You know what? We're going to have Homie Romy eat an entire mango for every 10 people that sign up to the Kickstarter. Let's do I it. Will swallow this core. And I've been <laughs> just waiting for somebody to hit that, hit that button on that. 
Let me see you put that in your mouth again, He's going to deep throat it. He'll deep throat the mango. Let me see you put that in your mouth again, bro. Damn, dude. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> mango corp. There's more where that came from, baby. I got bananas. I got mangoes. I got jabota cobbles. I got Suriname cherries. I got ice cream beans. Let's go. Yeah, oh you, goodness, you're going to get us oh pulled from from or, or whatever we're we're everywhere we're on first twitch heard, the first show to get pulled for someone deep throating a mango oh man so so, yeah. so Juan, can, can you pull up any of the those crazy graphics i dropped i like threw out probably six or so uh just at the tail end of our telegram yeah it was a lot i'm sweating right now i'm having a great time by the way guys i just want to say that yeah this is, this this is, is really big fun. fun this is really fun so uh i also want to say this this tonic is nuts y'all one part lemon, one part honey, half part ginger, Ooh. and uh, oh, bro, just straight. Let's go. Sounds like it tastes what like the, shit, what was the bro. ginger's name? Uh, Rufus. <laughs> hey, you know, I was just Rufus thinking, uh, Gabe, you were talking about magnets and putting people's heads between magnets. Isn't that what we're doing right now with headphones on? Aren't yes. there just two magnets on both sides and, of my head? And right now? I just did an episode. Right. I just did an episode with Stacy Brown Jr. And we talked about so spoiler alert, it's gonna come out soonish. They went to the conjuring house and they did a, a their version of the Monroe Gateway experience, right? Think put, talking about headphones and stuff. And he broke down on the episode his experience where he says he, he time traveled. I mean, he said he time traveled, dissolved, and he Explain to me everything that he saw, but I'm just thinking about, again, putting these phones... Where, where we go when we put these things on, how you're saying these two magnets, and the magic happens, right? So, And we let the voices tell us what to do. All right, let me pull it up here. <laughs> you send me so much shit, Gabe. It's, so I which know, one do you want man, me to pull up? Uh, but you can do any of them. I just want to run through and uh, check for any uh, hanging chads. Because uh, they're in, they're kind of in no particular order, but it turns out, uh, you know, the uh, the last fella to have the Voynak before it came into the public arena, uh, you know, his his birth name was Michael, which was Spinoza's father's name, and he changed his name after he married his wife uh, Ethel Voynak. Uh, uh, he changed his name to. Wilfred, and this brings things into a fascinating full circle, because uh, Rudolf is the red wolf, and now we're talking about red, the color. We're also talking about educated, well-read. To be erudite An is alchemy. to be rude. Yes, erudite wolf. Uh, to to have to have the knowledge of the of the all the books and all the things collected okay so oh, this is blurry uh, AF. Hold up. yeah that one's kind of that one is wild but i can i can fill it in i can i can bring people into in on this so the last fella to have it his name was wilfred that's the reverse of rudolph wolf red rudolph wolf red this is the red wolf and the red and the wolf red uh, so there's an alchemical wedding that happens from the place where it was picked up from John D and Edward Kelly. We have a red wolf, the and red the powder tour, of transmutation, by the way, which you got it, buddy. Dried, yes. dried pizza sauce. Yep. Dried pizza sauce. Absolutely. 
So yeah, there was an alchemical wedding with their names. Yes, the sack red color. You got it, D. You got it, bro. So this little graphic that I put together, um, oh, this, okay. So his wife, Wilfred's wife, her name is uh, Ethel Voynich, 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 and she is a fascinating study in her own in her own right. The fellow who I was watching the documentary, he actually said at the end of the documentary that he regretted not spending more time focusing on her because the more he looked, the more fascinating she proved to be. Okay. Now she wrote a novel that put her on the map. Oh, she was definitely influential. She was probably Royal blood of some sort. Um, and, um, she wrote a book called The Gadfly. And The Gadfly is a reference to a great many things all at once. It's such a loaded term. It's fascinating how a single reference, you look into it, and it turns out that was the nickname of Socrates. He was nicknamed The Gadfly of Athens because he was constantly pesting people with questions. He was always prodding them to bring out more, to birth more ideas. He was the midwife of, of concepts. He was the mystagogue of science. And he was the handmaiden of the soul. And so the single word gadfly is a nod to Socrates. And there's so much meaning to that. But it also is brought up in the Bible in quite a few different places. And it turns out there's a couple lines in the Bible uh, what I can barely read it. Isaiah seven eighteen, it talks about. On that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly, that is, the scrusis of the streams of Egypt, and for the bee that is the land of Assyria. Sources. Sources. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is a reference to the Mississippi River. The sources of the streams of Egypt, that is the Mississippi River. The land of Assyria, uh, by many people's theories and philosophies, is uh, northern North America. And in the next reference to the gadfly in the Bible is, let's see, the Neo-Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar is also referred to as a type of fly this time as a gadfly or a biting fly by the Joseph Jeremiah. By the prophet it, Jeremiah. Uh, oh, thank you, the prophet. A beautiful heifer is Egypt. A gadfly from the north lights upon her. I see this as a reference to nor the northern lights. The northern lights would be sparking. Some people say that they can actually hear the electromagnetic uh, effects of the of the northern lights, probably on the power lines around them. Mm. Um, but it's just interesting that there's a buzzing, there's a reference to lights, there's a reference to the north, and sure enough, Assyria, this north part of North America, is uh, they do see the northern lights from time to time. And so I put this little picture of the Dark Knight satellite just for fun. This is me taking it to you know slick dissident levels. Uh, but the uh, the uh, Dark Knight satellite has a strange nose. It always reminded me of, of Thoth, or uh, Tehuti, or Thoth, this god of Egypt who is known for keeping records. He always has a stylist, some sort of uh, writing mechanism, much like Santa Claus, who lives at the poles, 
keeping a list and checking it twice. Well, guess what? The Dark Knight satellite has a circumpolar orbit. It mm. buzzes around from one pole to the next. It's not going east to west. It's got circumpolar orbit. Uh, so I put that in this graphic just for the heck of it because it all reminded me of uh, of the many things I've thought about regarding the Dark Knight satellite. So that's what that graphic was all about. And also, uh, her- real quick, and correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, Romy, but didn't Falconelli talk about not even letting a fly be in the room while you were working on your alchemical shenanigans? Was it him that talked about that? Because we have the movie The Fly, and what happens to him? There's a fly that jumps into the teleporter, and then he's Whoa. fused with that fly, right? Oh, the fly is such a good movie, dude. Uh, but yeah, no, the fly. I, I think a fly comes up a couple times symbolically in uh, Falconelli's writings. And what what is interesting about that too, because Gabe, when he was bringing up the gadfly in the chats, was re- that's like really interesting. Um, I was like, dude, that's because the last o- owner of the of the Voynich book, where the Voynich family bloodline gets the name, they get to keep. The royalties to the Voynich manuscript. It's called the Voynich. So the fact that she wrote the book, The Gadfly, was really fascinating. And I thought that was a great weave. Yeah, uh, that found was the very entire interesting. audio book available by, uh, online, too, so you guys can listen to the whole book. But Isn't that from uh, point I was Back to the Future? The dog dicks. And, you know, like Juan brought up a long time ago, how to make <laughs> a homunculus. And the Gadfly is always floating around in animals genitals Ooh, and um so that's why it's like interesting if you're using a lot of penises and alchemical situations to make whatever if you if have any are. gadflies in the room you might not be able to actually fulfill that alchemical as, purpose as you would as anyone would write in their alchemical right they would use any if dude if you're not playing with penises in your alchemical work what the hell are you even doing yeah shake it <laughs> twice man or else you're just playing around but you got to do the at when the full moon is in scorpio six days after the the, the waxing wane, uh, thou shalt shake it only specifically to get the final drop into the stick. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So, right. so while we're while we got this map up, I just want everybody to just put a little mental note on New Orleans, which is the it is literally the feet of the Mississippi River. Mississippi River is a menorah. The seven streams of the Mississippi River make the shape of a menorah. Shinkin 20 says the sex ritual. I can't uh, do so this the... anymore. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to see in these, man. Okay. All right, let's get serious for one second. I'm sorry. Hey, give, give this topic the respect it deserves. I'm so sorry. Oh, man, this, uh, this chat is killing me, bro. <laughs> All right, humongous what? <laughs> All right, humongous what? I'm done. By the way, I want to add real quick, Marty McFly. That's M M Mickey Mouse M G M. Right, you have that thirteenth letter of the of the alphabet. Eighty eight miles per hour, dude. Mary Magdalene. You had eighty eight miles per hour. What if Back to the Future was some alchemical cipher as well? Oh, big what do you mean, time! What if? Come on, dude. What oh, if? so Are you fucking alchemical. kidding me, dude? You're, yeah. you're late to the party, dude. Come on, dude. Yeah, bro. And, you know, this was kind of a cool weave we put together uh, recently was if H is the eighth letter, you put 88. There's 88 constellations. So as above, right, as above, the H and the 8 comes together and it makes hate, which is a synonym for vitriol. 
And anybody who knows the, uh, the acronym, the vitriol is like journey, homie, you got it. Journey to the center of the earth and find the philosopher's stone within. Am I close enough? But that's the yeah. Vit- that, vitriol literally means the central stone. You got it, man. So the 88 constellations above and the, and then the hate and the vitriol will uh, turn you inward to look within and bring in, uh, bring forward your higher self. And that uh, that's quite true, man. You fucking transmute some vitriol. You can get some shit done. Is that related well, to Vril too? Yes. Because we have yep. the, the eight, right? We were talking about Adolf earlier. Well, Adolf was trying to what, right? The Vril and the Thule Society. And they were trying to mm-hmm. find the, the vitriol as well, right? Which isn't that related to Rosicrucianism or is it Masons? Yeah, man. And this is why this is why the elitists act like they're gods, like they're above the law, and then they tell you about it and flaunt it, and then the, the oh the, the laptop years later oh look what's this laptop, and then they pass it back and forth like a fucking. Bo- this is just to get your fucking blood boiling. Yeah, and as long as your blood is boiling, then your uh, uh, your Protestant work ethic will steer you right onto the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> What happened, bro? Oh, glorious. No, that's nuts, though. The 88, yeah, the constellations playing into that and, like, as above, below. Like, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and that bro. touches on the Boynik manuscript and the roots being shown and the importance of, you know, the tree of life is always depicted with the same amount of branches as the same amount as roots. You know, the Yggdrasil mm-hmm. goes up and it goes down, baby. Get on the elevator. The shaft that... is moving. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Uh, and I'm lately I've been looking at mining, the mining industry, and I don't, I don't want to derail us too much, but um, something really weird is going on. Like, you know, I got I have been saying to fucking motherfuckers. I'm like, y'all better watch the miners. The miners. Been... <sighs> something fucked up is going on around that. Like, so I got Joe Biden is is Hades a thousand ways from Friday. I could I mean, he's got the shades. Uh, he's got the Bident is his fucking name, the Robonet and the Bident. Hades was snatching up kids and taking them into the underworld. Well, and All the Bident and the Trident are basically the same thing. The original Trident was the same as like the double-headed axe, which uh-huh. just evolved over time. Right. Well, I got to, I mean, this is a real huge weave, but technically, I mean, to be a nerd, Thomas, the Trident is in uh, King Charles's hands. He's rocking the, the cipher of Neptune. Uh, and Biden is rocking the Biden. So I, I got the whole pantheon uh, pinned on the world stage right now. So they are literally playing God. And I, I, I could go into all the details. But what's weird here is it's not just metaphoric. It's not just coincidences around their names. And it's not like they're just wearing the mantle. OK, things get real fucking like literal. And I kind of freak myself out. Scranton is a coal mining town. There are entire family dynasties that are uh, deeply rooted in the earth of that location. Scranton in reverse is not narcs. These are the secret keepers. You seal those lips shut. And miners, we talk about miners, go under the earth and go and they dig up all the the precious gems. Well, Hades is the god of earth-based mineral fortunes. So Joe Biden is not just coincidentally posing as Hades. His family 
is literally putting minors, small children who can fit in crevices to bring forth the treasures of the earth. They've been doing it for generations in Scranton, Ohio. And then this gets into Michael Wan's work with the anthracite coal and the Herkimer diamonds on the other on the two ends of the uh, Susquehanna River. Something really next level is going on, is, and it's not just coincidence. Isn't that where the show The Office is from? Bang, Scranton, bang. Ohio, and then we have Michael Scott, the character, the alchemist, and we have Michael Scott, the necromancer slash alchemist slash theologian slash church father slash slash whatever else. So, yeah, man. If we got Hillary, Hillary's from Scranton. Really? These are the not. They're the not narcs, man. They got big secrets going on around there, man. In the first, uh, let's go back to the uh, the Hermetic principles. The first Hermetic principle is all begins in the minds, as above, so below. It starts up here with the vitriol, and it goes down into the earth where the kids go do all the work. Then you find out there's a bunch of kids missing. You get pissed off, and you go pay your taxes. Yo, the Wizard of Oz, the one they made, uh, the second one that Disney produced in the 80s, there was that Wizard of Oz live action movie from the Disney in the 80s. Uh, that is super fucking dark, but definitely has a scene where towards the end that she's like, and then, you know, it's like Jim Henson style, right? There's like straight robotic puppets in this film. It's Wizard of Oz. Live action Disney. It's like steampunk, right? It's like steampunk like Wizard steampunk of Oz. Steampunk is fuck, and it's so good. And it's like all about the child gets abducted, anyways, to go into the inner earth in that one. They, she falls into a, a time tunnel. Yes. Uh, and it's all about like, it's all about uh, magnetics, and you know, it's 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 Aussie. I mean, we know that he was a theosophist and shit. So, right. I think that's you know, who who else went into the inner course. earth would be like Persephone, which went down the rabbit hole, right, and goes and meets Hades, and that that journey into the center of the earth that is being occulted that is like dying and being brought back unto life that's i mean slick's gone into this before but it's very astrological as well where she would go under the earth and then come back out of the earth nine months later which followed a lot of the the same sort of like breeding habits of that part of the world for like right. snakes that would go underground and come back above yeah. ground once it was time right right and and, and uh uh, Alice has to become smaller. She's too big. And so she has to drink certain potions and concoctions with uh, minimal disclosure agreements. <laughs> like it all says to drink me. Okay. <laughs> you know, so she can fit. Well, it's, it's very uh, Perikelsian. That's very like, um, you know, the, the dose is the medicine. Yes. Yes. And we just had a weave over on the interverse recently, uh, just tonight. Uh, we were talking about Cyprus. And the story of Attis is a youth who is cast down to this island. Uh, he gets uh, castrated, and uh, and then he has to earn. He has to impress his mom to be uh, won back into her good graces. But Cyprus, <laughs> but Cyprus, you, like, uncastrate yourself to impress your mom. How do you do that? <laughs> I don't think he gets uncastrated. I think he actually gets <laughs> he gets castrated to impress her. Uh, but. Um, that island is the that's where copper gets its name. Cyprus is where copper mines were located. And for a child to be punished and put on that island is probably another nod to this mining industry. Oh, 
in huge Pinoc- wave here. Pinocchio just came back up here. Pinocchio, right there, y'all. They're telling us, and they're t- and we're getting we're supposed to be entertained to condone it. We're entertained and trained to condone it. Um, and this is a side weave, but I recently discovered about the cop or no, excuse me, the silver mines of Athens. And that the silver mines, if you look into the history of that that particular silver mine, they straight up say that they lost track of how many kids were lost to that industry. They just send them into places and maybe something collapses, but well, we didn't we didn't keep track because we don't care. And so now I'm looking at Greece and I'm looking at their inappropriate relationships with children and how it's even mapped out in their in the legacy of the symposium of Plato's Plato's Republic. And I'm like, are they, they're talking about becoming the caretakers of children as casually, are they taking these kids in and putting them to work in the silver mines of Athens? Is that what's right there for us to interpret if we have the eyes to see? Well, didn't Athens also had to send the children of the elites into the labyrinths, right? And uh, basically sacrifice to the bull gods. It takes gold to make gold. I was going to say, yeah, you got the oven, the Moloch oven. It takes Isn't gold to some, make gold, yep. There's some crazy shit going on in the background of all these stories, and we just think they're cute and fascinating, but I think that, you know, they're, like, darkly morbid, and they're revealing it to us, and that's part of what draws us in. That's part of what keeps gives them staying power, these stories. Uh, but now that I got that lens on, man, I'm going to see it uh, everywhere I look. It's popping up left and right with the, with it in mind. The thing about Biden being Hades, being Pluto, being Dis, there is some next level shit going on with that, y'all. Uh, I don't, so, I don't want to. So did did Hades earlobes connect, or did they not connect? <laughs> <laughs> this is an important question. This is an important question. I don't, I don't get it. Why? Yeah, well, because there's much. there's multiple versions of Biden where there's like some versions where his earlobes oh, connect and some version oh, where they don't connect. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, they do that, the doppelganger factor with all of them. And that's to keep you guessing, you know, weaponized doubt always. You know, they had the same thing with the last fool who was in there. So real quick, right, we have the the sorry, speaking of minds, his work Carter. on Mundus Serotanius, yes. right? So the, the under the under the subterranean world, right? Reality, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Very interesting. So yeah. what's what's cool too, like so that lost Freddie Silva wrote a really good book called The Lost Art of Resurrection, and it's all about his study into the Templars, you know, three days under in the tomb initiation ceremony thing, and that uh-huh. ties into uh, you know the Masonic like oh cave or caves where they go in there for three days and they come out, you know. Um, he's saying that this dates back just way too many thousands of years, and it's just like one of the earliest uh, uh, important things to connect to that etherical realm is to like completely be in darkness and uh, you know, just like the King's chamber and the pyramid, you know, mm-hmm. it's so small that you, you basically sit in it. So, you know, like you have to lay down and you have to basically astral project uh, into that. And uh, I think it's almost, that's, it's almost like you're fasting from light also. Did you guys hear about that lady that went underground and she was supposed to be underground for 500 days and she was supposed to finish a book and she said she didn't finish the book and she was like, wait, you guys are coming out to get me already? Like, 
I don't remember it being 500 days. But she was like by herself. Yeah, dude, they've done crazy studies where if they, they put someone in isolation and they take away your ability to track the passage of time, mm-hmm. there's like a there's a very specific uh, sort of formula to like how much time a normal person would usually stabilize. And it's like they'd sleep for 20 hours and then be awake for like 30 hours and then go back to sleep for 20 hours. Like you fit into a completely <laughs> different schedule naturally because your circadian rhythm doesn't yeah. get the same sort of biofeedback from sunlight and everything else. And well, that's well, the exact reason why the pyramids and the cathedrals, which are pyramids, they're just a different form of the art, are built on magnetic hotspots. And Prague itself, where the book lied for many, many years, is one of these magnetic anomalies on the ley line map. So it's just like you go in the, the tomb of a lot of these old cathedrals and, uh, you know, you just like have your ceremonies, man. We just need to we need to go underground from time to time just to figure some shit out. I mean, let's do it. Well, so <laughs> there is a researcher here in Florida that is going underground for he's gonna try to be underground and break the world record. I forget what how many days it was. Or not underground, I'm sorry, underwater. He is staying in an underwater oh, hotel. And I was thinking about hitting that dude up and interviewing him because Yo, he is great idea. He is seeing, you know, he's studying what the effects of I guess separation from, from humanity or civilization does to you. And he's, he's studying. I don't know if he can do a podcast right now from underwater, but he is staying. Uh, I found his information. So I was thinking about reaching out and having him on the show once he was out, I guess. Wow. I think he's still under there. The, I have a friend whose brother is in the Navy and it's like, he's telling me about all of the technology that the Navy works on, which is mind blowing. Uh, a shit you've never even thought of because you're not in the, water that much you know as a normal person whatever but uh a surf a land surf if you will uh the the basic entire ocean is mapped out through just like movements they can track anything from like massive distances away like through satellite technology and underwater like vibrational uh radios and and uh different instruments that pick up like suit like whale songs from you know Alaska all the way in, you know, Fiji and what have you, which is really interesting uh, because, you know, we always have the lore of like, well, we don't know what the sea floor looks like, uh, you know, it's like, you, you out your damn mind, you sure as shit we do. That's where all the good shit's at, bro. Yeah, the, the we is more like you. <laughs> you don't know what the sea looks like. I've been there. I've seen it. I put myself in a glass bottle just like Alice and I floated my way down. Hey. You got to get that, that submarine ticket for the uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, tour, right? <laughs> Maybe getting rubber rubber shoes like back in the movies. Like, hey, we're going to put your feet in rubber cement and sink it to the bottom. Maybe that was an initiatory practice. You actually had to get floating under there, and then you had to sw- if you swam your way up, came up later, newly birthed out of the womb of a dirty uh, uh, alchemical river where the uh, nuclear waste plant just flows right above the the, the creek bed. Uh, you get a little after <laughs> little, anyways. Yeah, astral projection from cement <laughs> shoes. It could be, I, I think it could be initiatory, man. I mean, it's the mobs, man. It's the secret society itself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah, isn't sleep there sleep an occult connection with like? With the mobs and and the occult, you you would know about that, Thomas, right? Some well, there's a lot of there's some interesting theories. I don't know how much credit all of them got, but that the the actual word mafia is an acronym for, and it stands for like Mazzini authorizes uh, like kidnappings, rape, and arson or something. I don't remember the what the exact acronym is, but that that link between Mazzini 
and the carbonari and the mafia is very real and if you look up the actual symbol of the carbonari it is the most occult uh political i mean because the carbonari is supposed to be a political secret society they got a pentagram they've got like a black and white uh represented there like it is it is extremely occult and honestly i don't think that there's been nearly enough research into the occult origins of the carbonari and that that's kind of this direct link between true occultism and like political sort of revolutionaries damn dude like that's crazy too because carbonari and carbonara a fantastic sauce uh, <laughs> are both pizza sauces you know what i'm saying so they are pizza sauce. <laughs> is a pizza oh, sauce. Shit. Yeah. oh, oh shit full circle I, f- I fuck with carbonara let's go so I mean, if, even if you're going into the the mafia right like if you've seen the, all the movies it's a very occult ritual you burn like a card of a saint and there's you know bloodletting uh, it's essentially blood magic that takes place Mm-hmm. So so let's bring it here real quick, Gabe. Oh man, I just exited everything on my screen. Hold up. Let's bring it here Sorry real up. quick because I think this is this is important, right? Because I have occulted gods on the on the title, but one of the oh, one of the yeah. things that we didn't touch on, right, with Spinoza and the connection with Einstein, where he says, "I believe in Spinoza's God who reveals himself in the harmony of all that exists, not in a God who concerns himself with the fate and the doings of mankind." Now. That was Albert Einstein. And there, I don't know if you guys have seen the Tinfoil Hat episode with him and Birkness of how Einstein was a fraud and perhaps had a woman handler. It was actually his wife or something or other who was the one behind <laughs> who was the one behind the the all the workings and everything that he did. And she supposedly that, that ruins one of the best uh, Einstein jokes in that case. Why? Why? What, what was what? the smartest thing that ever came out of? Uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> That's for the Patreon only. All right, sign up for the Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com. So the, one of the, <laughs> one of the things that I, uh, that I wanted to talk about with Spinoza was that he inspired God, uh, God, Gottfried Leibniz, or Leibniz, however you want to say it. Yeah, man. And the, because Spinoza, right, Spinoza was criticized for what? For wanting to turn God into what? A substance. He wanted, he wanted to break God down into a particle. And I think this is what inspired monadology with Leibniz and all these other guys where they were trying to encapsulate, right? It all comes full circle. So what are they trying to achieve? Well, what if they're quite literally trying to bottle God down into a particle or maybe look at CERN, right? We, like, like that's like the most vanilla conspiracy. You're like, oh, look at what they're doing at CERN. They're opening up portals and they're clashing what if that's what they're trying to do? They're trying to break God down into a substance, right? And again, this is these occultists will quite literally go to whatever lengths possible in order to, right? Who was the one that tried to buy the Holy Spirit or the the, the power of God? Was it Simon Magus? He was yeah. trying to buy the Holy Spirit and the the miracles. It wasn't in the Bible, and he was right. He was levitated by some demons, and then the other guy was like, "Yo, drop him!" And they dropped him to his death after he was right, trying right. to buy. So again. I think Spinoza is at the at the core of that. And I mean, if you really look yeah, at what Einstein, I mean, he shaped this thing that we call science or seance. And I mean, some people don't believe anything else but that treading lightly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, man. Okay. There is so much on the table right now. So much, buddy. Okay. I really want to substantiate the thing about the woman being the handler. That is a pattern. Uh, everybody, the, because. Um, Falconelli as well. Yes, in a lot of 
religious practices, the male works in the public side. The male is the public facing persona that takes all the hits. They're out there doing, getting their hands dirty. And the female stays in the private. And that is oftentimes practiced in a very uh, spiritually uh, sanctified way. Yes, the women, uh, well, this is a, because it works. The reason why is because it has worked for a very long time. Um, and there is so much behind it. And I'm not trying to say that all these women are bad or whatever. Well, I'm no, saying but, that, but women are way better at keeping secrets than men are. So, like, <laughs> if there are any female-only secret societies, we still don't know about them because that's how good they are. There is so much to it, man. There's so much to it. And, yeah, so that this is just they scratching the, the surface. The sacred, bro. The sacred circle. That's right. They keep those hands clean. That's what's going on. So, uh, and then what Juan was saying about, well, let me just kind of put uh, run through what's on here, and then I want to come to the substance because that is a huge gateway right there, buddy. So uh, Nag Hammadi scriptures come out, uh, uh, you know, they were processing those for years before they came public. Uh, but the, uh, pretty much the same week that they come public, the CIA pops on the scene. So Nag Hammadi scriptures are like the new age Gnostic Bible to keep the – to keep theology alive in some way like shape gospel or form of thomas gospel of judas right maybe not mm-hmm. judas yes yes uh and, and then the cia is very much like the jesuit order to kind of act as the stewards or the shepherds of these organizations that are going to branch out over this re-injection of this gnostic concept there's a whole new wave back from 47 year after crowley passed away and let me just say this I have so much to say. Um, The word Gnostic is a new terminology. It's a new term. And for hundreds of years, they used to call people who were in the inner knowing, who had an instant, uh, who received information on on another level, they used to call them Spinozists. The original term for an atheist, it was like a pejorative term. If yeah, you were an, correct, yeah. If you had atheist leanings, then they would label you a Spinozist, and that went on for a very long time. And then something happened here around the turn of this generation, right around Einstein's time. They start to retract that use of the word Spinozist. They start to use atheist a little more, and now they're putting out the word agnostic. So this word, atheist, Spinozist, and Gnostic, they all have a strange similarity. And there are fine minutiae details that are different, but it's something to consider, this evolution of this, uh, this secret sect, this underground movement. And now I want to put this forward. Nag Hammadi literally translates to serpent made. The Nagas is the snake. It's the serpent. Madi is the mother of. This is the serpent mother. The word scriptures is a phonetic anagram. It's not you, It's not exact. It's phonetic. It's the sounds for persecuted, for persecutes. These are the people who are persecuted. And if you look up all the synonyms for persecute, you're going to find the first synonym is plague, all the other synonyms are strange little attributes of what happens to believers of the Bible. And the last line in the Bible is, 
if if you so much as add to or remove from or alter anything in this book, you will have all of the plagues of this book beset upon you. How convenient. And I find I find it quite fascinating how the word scriptures and the word persecutes are so closely related in just the most amazing fashion. Uh, so that being said, also, G-O-D, the symbols for God, that make up this three-letter word, three-letter agencies. The G is the alchemical symbol for salt. The O is the bonding agent, which is playing the mercurial role in the middle, in the, in the transitional space, the liminal space. And the D is the symbol for sulfur. The periodic symbols for G-O-D, for sulfur, mercury, and uh, sulfur, excuse me, salt, mercury, and sulfur, spell out N-A-H-G-S, Nagas. So the serpent, this is the real Gnostic wisdom I'm handing over to you all, is that it is all alchemical. In the Luciferian order, they are actually worshiping the periodic table. They are worshiping the ability to make things fucking explode. They are worshiping the big fucking bang. And so the enlightenment movement of the Luciferian agenda is nothing more than periodic table worshipers. And they worship the ability to blow shit up. Now, Spinoza was exiled. He was excommunicated. He was Kharim. He was Kharan. He was given over to Hades, into the negative space, into the unseen, the no longer acknowledged. And he was a, I believe, I am becoming to believe, the more I look into his philosophy, his metaphysical philosophy, he was bonding uh, philosophy and religion and separating church and state, which later Hegel did the opposite. He undid that entire process. But I believe that Spinoza's God that Einstein was talking about is uh, the God of the wilderness, it's pantheism, it sounds great, it sounds wonderful. I'm learning a lot. I'm not disparaging this individual. But I want to caution everybody that if you agree to venerate another person's God, that is a God that somebody else has control over. Somebody else has dominion over it. He redefined entire terms that you think you understand what these words mean. If you haven't read the glossary of Spinoza, then you are getting into a worldview that you don't fully understand. And you may agree to terms and conditions that were not disclosed to you. You didn't read the fine print. You're like, hey, pantheism sounds pretty good. I'll go with it. And you agree. You jump on board. You're all about that big bang. Well, let me just tell you, the word substance, one of the key linchpin terms of Spinoza's worldview, substance, it is also means understanding. To substand is to understand. And when you understand in court, you are bound to the contract. They got you. They lock you in. As soon as you understand, as soon as you give substance to the contract, you are locked into a system that you didn't read all. The, I didn't read all the Black's Law Dictionary. Did you? Well, Spinoza has a dictionary, a whole glossary of his own, where he takes the words and they mean things that you don't fully understand and you don't have full uh, affluence over the system that he is espousing. And so I'm just telling people to tread cautiously when you get into these pantheistic worldviews. 
because they have literally redefined the words that you think you're using. Uh, and you might, if you get behind Spinoza's God, that's not necessarily everybody else's God. And for another thing is I kind of take offense to the idea that he made this philosophy that is like, no matter what you say, it's part of the God that I've already defined. You know what I mean? I'm a little offended that I lose my individuality by even entertaining his worldview. This is like arguing with someone that always says infinity plus one, right? <laughs> That's exactly. Whatever you said plus infinity plus one. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So I just wanted to put that forward that ever since I started looking into Spinoza, I'm like, I agree with this guy, but it makes me uncomfortable that I agree with him. Mm. And the fact that he's, you know, speaking for my worldview before I can even test his own theories. I just think everybody should uh, tread trepidatiously around these worldviews before you jump on board or subscribe to them or identify with them because we have the freedom of association. And when somebody dresses you up in advance, uh, then they can label you, then they can uh, give you favoritism. It, it goes right into legal legalities in a most fascinating way. And so what I see with Spinoza's language is it's almost like he's, uh, he's melded the metaphysics of and philosophy into a legal paradigm and so something really fascinating is happening when you look at this language metaphysically scientifically philosophic philosophically and with legal eyes something really strange is going on with that motherfucker and i'm inclined to believe that there is a breakaway civilization operating under spinozian physics uh and a worldview uh, that i haven't finished reading all the terms of the agreement they're really elaborate and fine print. And then the last little spiel on this graphic is that his book, uh, The Ethica, The Ethica. Now, his book was written in many languages. So you'll find this as The Ethicus in some languages, but this one is an anagram for the CIA. Oh, shit. Yo. Yo. And, and Ordine Geometrico Demonstratus or demonstrata, is an anagram for the G-O-D. And that is the salt, mercury, and the sulfur. Is it like the order of geomet, like shape and demonstrata, that's like ground, net, like the demonstrata, like that's like body, geometric body, the order of the, I don't know, what does demonstrata mean? That's a demonstration. Demonstration. But you do notice the word demon in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I will say something that is now, this is a, I've already spieled long and hard, but geometrical, uh, no offense to any Masons in the group, <laughs> but they're, uh, now I got it. Now I got a piece out, <laughs> <laughs> but their whole symbol is that, that compass, right? Well, that is actually an implement, a, a steganographic nod to one of the Greek muses of, uh, geometry, uh, Urania, and she is often depicted with a globe and a uh, Masonic compass, um, but she is also the goddess of astronomy, uh, which is kind of the, one of the secret of secrets of her. People think that she's all about geometry, but she's also the goddess of the angles of the angels of the heavens above as well. So, oh, man, okay, and I, I, I don't know where I, I, I have the the definition of chaos magic because this is 
this ties into a little bit like in the chaos magic aspect of it all, right? Because we have here uh, symbolic and linguistic constructs that can be manipulated to achieve certain ends, but have no absolute or objective truth value in themselves, right? And uh, chaos magic is the rejection of all fixed models of reality reflects one in the central tenets. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Because I mean, how you're saying they're attaching substance to things that are right, it's different than what we've been accustomed to believing, right? I mean, that's where you're able to twist words around to equal certain things. And and the one of the aspects of chaos magic as well is adopting things and then just throwing it out after you're done with it, <laughs> right? You just chuck it to the wind and and whatever happened happened. But I think that's that's a little bit of what's going on here. And I mean the the fact that grammar grimoire right. Book of Spells, we talked about the Voynich being maybe a grimoire of some sorts. We have the Baconian aspect of there, of, of William shakes the shake the spear. You have the language aspect, the Kabbalah, phonetics, etc., etc. Absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah, this is this goes deep, bro. I'm trying to find the the definition of chaos magic that I had a while back. But that's and again that ties to, to Crowley, HP Lovecraft. Again, a, yep. that's why they adopt the yeah, that, that's why they adopt the the Cthulhu mythos and they use mm -hmm. them as real deities because it doesn't matter because, it, you know, chaos is limitless and boundless. So use whatever works for you. And that's what people, a lot of people don't understand when it comes to these. Uh, again, back to the question that I first asked at the beginning, Slick, are they doing this consciously or is it something in the subconscious that's leading these things? Because you, the way you paint, it's almost like they're they're doing this on purpose. Are they doing it on purpose? That's a very good question. You know, these things, they do comport to the order of the heavens. And I'm inclined to believe that, like, you know, people want to poo-poo on astronomy and astrology, but there is just such a small gap between what astronomy and astrology is all about uh, when you really get deep on it. Uh, and I'm talking about Lumashi Starspeak here. I'm talking about John McHugh and some of the proofs that he's found in how those stars are fused into our stories, which are fused into our psyche. Well, there's only a tiny little jump from that system, which is not chaotic. It is highly functional and what we call and accept as uh, psychology. And the difference between astronomy and psychology, it becomes really obvious when you start to read Carl Jung. And you start to see that there is uh, that the uh, psychology is basically socially accepted uh, mysticism uh, and occultism in a, uh, right there in plain sight. Um, so, so that's kind of answering your question. But well, I've, I've I, got another answer I wanted to throw in there too, where it's almost yeah. like uh, if you're really good at seafaring, right? Like we were talking about naval intelligence. If you've got that OG naval intelligence and you know how to steer a ship and how to, to move with the waves. It's yeah. not that you're making those waves happen and you're forcing your way through the waves. It's just that you know how to read the waves. You know how to read the swells and, and the wind. And, and that's yeah. sort of the same sort of premise, I think, here, where it's not like they're, you, they're like encoding these specific messages. They just realize, oh, here's this information I want to get out. Uh, here's the way I want it to get out. Here's the path I want it to take. And knowing all of that up front, then you can be like, oh, well, we can weave it this way and weave it that way. And that's where, you know, that you find the right words. Because just like the English language is one of those unique ones where there's 
20 or 30 ways to say the exact same thing. So yeah. now it's up to you on how you want to encode that. And that gets into almost the trivium, right? That gets into the grammar, which is knowing what words you can use, the logic, which words in which order make the most sense. And then the rhetoric is where you get to do all your cool encoding and break out the secret decoder ring. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, it, on that vein, you know, uh, my work on the Enneagram is a very, very simplified, boiled down uh, uh, lens. You know, I think of it as like decoder glasses and every it, it's it's very simple. Like I said, it's a basically nine personality types, nine tendencies of behavior. And when a person gets stressed out, they'll kind of move in one direction. And if they get uh, encouraged, you know, they'll move in the opposite direction. So it's got a carrot and a stick dynamic to it. Well, in the media, they can basically uh, manipulate the dynamics of the Enneagram, like you said, with word choice, something just as simple as word choice. If they run a headline that says, oh, we're going to we're not going to have enough masks, then they know what's going to happen because they know exactly how many number six homunculus are out there running around who are going to need to respond in just a certain way. Uh, so, yeah, it is very much like steering a ship or you could think of it as a, a driving a chariot with nine different horses and each horse needs to be manipulated and pull that tether in just a certain way to get the, you know, the collective to, to or reindeer. Or reindeer, big up, nice full circle. <laughs> so this so this brings us to Wilfred Voynich, the the Wolfred Voynich, and his wife Ethel. She is such a mysterious person. Her gadfly story, uh, which I need to look more into. There's way more to that. But guess what? I discovered on the Devil card. The New Orleans Cthulhu Devil card turns out, this is the Thoth deck. This is unique to the Thoth deck, this discovery. When you flip it upside down, a most fascinating image is revealed. And uh, This is card number 15. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a dick and balls, bro. That's what everybody sees. They can't see past it. There's something else going on here. That this one? is the this is the gadfly. The gadfly is a broad term used for almost any stinging uh, bug or insect. This is a mosquito. This has a spinoza. This has a thorn nose. This has the the elongated bloodsucker propensity. And if you look at, uh, so this is also your 15 man nut cities. See the men in the nuts? <laughs> this is your 15 man nut cities. <laughs> you just call that college. Oh, yeah, man. buddy. Yeah, buddy. Oh. So the thing that is really fascinating so for me, this is uh, number six on the Enneagram is a loyalist with a shadow of fear. And if you if you are going to move into those 15 minute cities, you are going to be very responsive to the psychological operations that are directed at the number six personality type. Can I, One, can I throw something else out here, too? I, I just learned this the other night on uh, Zertus's show, Sync Tank, but that this creature the, that looks like the, the two horned creature here. 
Yep. That also might be a mythical creature called the Yale. That's the name of the creature oh is Yale. Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of town. That was something brand new that I had never even heard before. And someone brought up, like, everyone no. always talks about Yale. Do you know what a Yale is? Fake. If you just look up a Yale, hold it on. is a mythical creature shut that up. has these two Dude, huge long horns. It really is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that's why Look that's why there's a home Bruh. of the Templars, dude. And uh, underneath Yale like College has many tunnels, bro. Bruh. Wow. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What the fuck y'all Fifteenth century, same same time period as the, the Voynich manuscript. Bruh. Fifteen. There's that fifteen, man. Fifteen Daniel. $15 billion to, that sold out the uh, Louisiana Purchase. Man, what a trip, oh, Thomas. They, they talk about that. That. Now when you see this card, know that you're, you might be looking at a Yale. Right. So so it also, uh, oh my gosh, I'm tripping, bro. That is a trip and a half. Wow, that's a crazy weave. That was like. Straight, yes. straight from Tell the me that's sack. Not a Yale. No, knowing what it looks like now, the mythical version. That's a freaking Yale, right? What is this on his head? Are these blueberries? That's a that's the that's a wreath. It's a Dionysian wreath. Uh, it it is. Um, it's actually Corona borealis. Uh, is another possibility. But um, yeah, man. Oh, I'm tripping, Thomas. Oh. So so the the mosquito aspect brings up yellow fever, which turns your eyes yellow. And that is why these balls are yellow. Uh, any it's disease balls, like yellow, it's yellow, yellow blue balls, uh, because it shuts down your kidneys. That's what, uh, that's an indication of kidney failure. The those yellow homunculi, but by definition, those are all Bro, homunculi. I did, yeah, yeah, I didn't buddy. say it. You said it, but just know that yeah, I'm a buddy. Pentecostal. I was a born Pentecostal Christian, <laughs> and when I was growing up, my you know I used to go to church a lot. Pentecostal Christian. <laughs> so yeah, man. This, this devil card is on the Cthulhu location, Ground Zero, uh, New Orleans, and the gadfly is encoded in the card, which is the name of the book that uh, uh, Elith, what's her name? The wife of Voynok. Uh, I don't know. What? Yeah, I fucking forget her name all the time. <laughs> That's the name of her book is Gadfly. So this is the Mosca constellation. There's only one fly uh, constellation, and it's buzzing around the Coptic cross of Cruz, the Cruz uh, minor decan of uh, of Virgo, no, of Libra. And what is really fascinating about that, this Gadfly is... Oh, that she ends up, she's connected in a million ways. Okay, I got this. I can land this. She's connected in a million ways. Turns out uh, they end up naming a small uh, planet, like a mini planet, a miniature oh, yes. planet. They named a mini planet after her. It's not a dwarf planet. You won't find it if you look that up. Uh, in the, uh, so she has an entire planet named after her. So she's totally connected to have a planet with her name on it, her her whole name, Elith. Elith Voynich is the name of this planet. Well, guess what? Pluto has a, a location on the planet that is named Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these people are literally seeding their, their, their mantles. They're putting their mantles. Ethel is her name. Ethel Lillian. Ethel. Lillian yeah. Voynich, right? Lillian, of course. Thank you. Yes. 
So when they put their name on a planet or a, a body that is ex- so uh, far out with this circuitous path, that is generating a circle. And to generate the circle, that is to be a member of the Kirka, to know the cipher of the circles. There she, yeah, you got it. And it's number 2032. That's a big, that's a significant number. You better believe, right? 322 all mixed wow, up in there. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. That's so that's wild. That goes on along with what we're just saying about Yale like a motherfucker. Well, and and, and that's, that's the crazy. thing. This is this is a this is a pattern. We have Jack Whiteside Parsons has a crater named after him on the dark side of the moon, right? It's very, very paradoxical. You have the mountain range on Pluto that was presented to H.P. Lovecraft through visions four or five years before Pluto was an actual thing. And I also heard somebody, right? I was listening. I think he was an occultist where Pluto signifies the the boundaries of our reality the, the the furthest that we can possibly comprehend now again i know some people think and i'm using the new term imaginary and homosexual i'm not going to be using fake and gay anymore i'm going to be using imaginary <laughs> and homosexual uh, some people believe that space is imaginary and homosexual and this idea right that, that's but let's step outside the box for a little bit step outside of that reality tunnel for a little bit and and, and just say that there is this rock on the outer skirts of our solar system, right? If you want to believe that, 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 that cosmology, but yeah, he was putting it very, very weirdly where, cause again, I'm, I'm getting into the, the tunnels of set and all that stuff. And right. Pluto signifies that, right. The very, like the very end of, of our, like our existence and our reality in some way. And then you have Pluto with Disney, you have Pluto with Cthulhu, right. And then Cthulhu equals 33 as well. Nice. So Cthulhu equals 33. Uh, well, again. Well, just outside Pluto, too, was uh, they found uh, another planet that had a moon. And that planet was named after Xena, the warrior princess. It's a planet called Xena. And its moon was named Gabrielle, which was another fictional character from Xena, the warrior princess. So there's definitely <laughs> all sorts of like. You know, like Hollywood completely infiltrates every aspect of reality, even to the point of naming craters and moons and planets. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a that's NASA connected straight up to to the Jack Parsons ritual. If you're naming planets and being part of that in a talismanic. Is, yeah. In a talismanic yeah, way. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's it's used as an augmentation. Right. And not only that, but I think that. These people live in an existence as long as their names are are embedded in these statues or these whatever it is. And Gabe, real quick, is there anything in the, in the back? What's going on in the background here? Is there anything that is that like a bird or something back here? What is this? This is the wings of the mosquito. Oh, oh good. Clock, yeah. good. Nice. I like that. Uh, it's also like a connective tissue, like you know, because the mosquito is injecting or yeah, putting his little whatever is poison in you. Uh, so it's also the connective tissue inside of a, of the human body. Now, this is now, this is an interesting, uh, connection here. Uh, there is an artist named Francis Bacon. Yes. And, uh, he claims to be related oh, yes. to, yes, he claims to be related to Sir Francis Bacon. Now, Francis Bacon had, uh, was a expressionist painter and he had a series of paintings that were said to be based on the bunker of Hitler. 
on Hitler's bunker. And if you look at this series of paintings, it turns out it is a one-to-one correspondence to this image here of this, uh, this devil card. And I'm inclined to believe that it was actually Francis Bacon's art that I want to say he painted that card because it is absolutely crystal clear to me. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt that either he painted the card or Lady Frieda Harris, who made the card, was emulating him quite intentionally. And that's just uh, really fascinating to me because of that Francis Bacon looks like, sounds like, is like, relates to correspondence. Uh, Having a thread back to Hitler and Hitler being a, um, you know, a people say racist, but he was a. uh, He was an occultist uh, and he also loved bombs. And they were right. making hella alchemical shit in their labs, bro. Like, Which is tied up. to Roger Bacon. Wouldn't that be tied to Roger Which Bacon? Which ties to Roger, Roger Bacon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. There's the, Bacon, uh, there's the Baconian cipher in the periodic table as well. Remember when we were working on that a while back? Oh, Francis yeah. was a huge proponent in pushing the, like, the new shape, just like modern English, but the new... Uh, structure like at, at that point there you know it spells out bacon perfectly mm. it totally does like uh one half of it is like uh kev was it one is one half is kevin and the other corner is bacon <laughs> francis no it's francis one half francis, says yeah. bacon and one half says francis and one is a pole and one is a hole on the two corners of the periodic table so I was yeah, a Pentecostal Christian for most Who's, of my life. Who was Pentecostal? I was what? I was Pentecostal when when I was growing up, when I was a little boy, Bro, when I was a little told- a chiquito, a little boy, a little baby. You I don't even brought that up before. You should I, get into I that. I mean, yeah, I, 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 it's like part of my history. I don't really talk about it that much on the show, <laughs> so like I just want to make sure that that people know that I, I was a Pentecostal when I was growing up. And like the snakes, right? You you handled no, snakes? I didn't. No, that wasn't the type of Pentecostalism that I was doing. Bro, I was like more. Oh, that's like, not real Pentecostal. I don't know who told you you're Pentecostal, but oh, you didn't. So you so don't what? dance with snakes. You're not Pentecostal. If you don't wear magic underpants, you're not Mormon. Those are the rules. Okay, all right. I'm just making sure. Thank you so much. Juan and Juan and Rewan were in a Pentecostal church. Juan fell out. Who was left? <laughs> Juan on Juan, bro. <laughs> so uh Romeo was going to pull something up here. Let's see here. And he they zapped him. They zapped him. Yeah, bro. He got zapped like a mosquito, dude. Mosquito. It's the, the Ethica. They got him. So, yeah, I wanted to pull up the picture of this Francis Bacon, but they're kind of graphic and I mean, I don't really feel like pulling this up, but we we we've talked about it before towards the purple, right? We have the Hans purple mm-hmm. and the gold. Romy, right. what were you going to pull up, bro, before you dipped out? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I, I exited my own shit. I was just pulling up the uh, periodic table and just want to show you guys how clearly it just be spelling out Francis Bacon, like right here in the corner. I thought that was cool. Right. What? Yeah, B- like... That's uh, some Shakespearean shit right there. You oh. got the B-A-C-O-N, <laughs> Francis. Boom. And then look at the bottom, uh, the bottom left corner. That this is the cornerstone of the temple, right? The linchpin, FR, at the very bottom, and it's a Frank Franconium, and it's periodic weight. If it had the other the other numbers, you know the eighty eight is raw. That's pretty tight. 
right next to Ra. Oh. Well, you get F R A Fra, and then C above and B A above that. So you get Fraka Frakaba. <laughs> but then the the periodic tape, uh, the periodic weight of Franconium is like basically two two three. It's like three two two in reverse. There's your three two two right there. What's the V? Yeah, do you guys have coquis there, Romy? I think that's vidium or something. Do you guys have coquis there, bro? The Puerto Rican frog in Hawaii? Oh, coquis frogs? Yeah, coquis frogs. <laughs> yeah, the story is that the coquis frogs were brought in on a freight uh, freight hauler from Walmart. I hear it. I can hear them. <laughs> yeah. I love the coquis. So, that's cool. Oh, give me one second here. Can you smoke them? No, you can't smoke them, but they have a distinct sound. I mean, you can hear it in the background. It's, it it's binaural, too, because the, they have such dissonance because they're all at different distances, and they're all going, at, and they're all at different lengths. So if you sit out there for long enough and like just like start to vibe out and like meditate at night, it's such an ambient noise, like crickets, right? But they're frogs. Like cicadas, too. And like the – exactly, but – Animals give off that binaural tone that'll put you in a trance real quick too, uh, which is really interesting. You know, the flapping of the moth or the butterfly wings and, you know, snapping into a portal. It's like, you know, just enlightening that third rod, that central pillar, baby. But yeah, frogs are cool. Yeah, frogs are dope. <laughs> so to wrap it up, how do you want to, how do you want to tie the bow on this to send the people home? With Let's the see what we're at on Kickstarter. Are we at 33? <laughs> we're yeah, not one until we get to 33. Yeah, we're not before we go. 29. If you guys haven't seen. Oof, no one's allowed to leave the chat. No one's even allowed to leave the stream. Nothing. No, no. one's going anywhere. All right. We're up all night. There you go. I <laughs> shot the so. link, guys. I mean, I don't make the rules. This is just how the matrix works. You got to <laughs> sign up for the pay, for the Kickstarter before we get out of here. Or else, I guess, Thomas is holding the stream you know accountable and and not going to let us go until we... the street, what you're what you're doing is you're basically meddling with the very forces of nature mr beal at this kind of like you've basically entered a pact by coming onto this free three-hour stream and getting all this esoteric knowledge we broke down the voynich manuscripts so the very least 30, we're at 30 here we go boys let's let's, let's, let's... <laughs> Three, we're at, three we're more, at, we can go. We're not allowed three, to go to sleep four, until we get three, three more. more. Yeah, we're not three, allowed to, you know, four. my wife's going to be very come mad on. at me if I don't come to, to bed tonight. And, come I mean, on. who doesn't want to <laughs> see The Chosen One, Issue 2, Secret Society of the Podfather? And, I mean, let's see. We got. We need three more. Come on. Romy, go get the biggest mango you can find. Let's show these kids how to do this. I'll be let, back. Let's show them how it's done. Let's show them how it's done. <laughs> I'll be back. Hold on. So, uh, I just recently looked into uh, some of the naysayers about um, the Cathars. You know, the Cathar goes uh, generally unquestioned. Recently, somebody has uh, made quite a few uh, little videos on what if the Cathars were uh, were a psyop in and of their own right. And it's a fascinating dynamic. It's like the Cathar story was retrofitted because of what the uh, Inquisition was able to glean from the people they were torturing. And so it's like they tortured so many people into confessing mm -hmm. that the, all of the confessions got put together into a story and that story became 
the myth of the Cathars. We're so close. And I just and I find that very fascinating because the Cathars are said to be the roots of Gnosticism. And so when people look into Gnosticism, it's almost like there's this this diversion story channel, this fabricated uh, uh, stream of research that's going to lead people to, you know, basically a fabricated dead end. Uh, but if you look down that stream, there are caretakers along the way. There are shepherds and stewards and people who are going to make sure you stay on that one path. But I'm more and more inclined to think that Spinoza is the real Gnostic path that only the initiates have access to. And I just want everybody to be very careful before you go affiliating yourself with pantheists. Be sure you read all the terms of the agreement and you know what all the words actually mean. And you have full mastery over the Spinozian Black's Law Dictionary of this breakaway civilization. Also, panic comes from, right? You have pan, panic. Pandemonium. And oh, so, so again, that connection shit. and the deed is done, Sir Thomas. We're at 35 followers. Well, actually, but... we needed to hit 33, and the fact that we went over, now we're going to have to hang oh, around until okay. we get to the next magical number. 40. Which is, <laughs> yeah, 40. What's the next magical number, bro? What is the I think it would be 93 if you wanted to get really esoteric. 93? Okay, we'll be here for a while. We're going to go to 93, <laughs> but 35. Yo, I wanted is... to say, Juan, bro, have you, have you seen Renfield yet? I have not. Good sir. Your boy Nick Cage Listen, is Dracula bro. in the fucking theaters, and you haven't gone? <laughs> Romy, don't I ever disrespect me on my stream, bro. as fuck. Listen. Yo. Yo, Listen. I just... Go ahead. You gotta go. You gotta you go. You gotta go. It's so good. Why they, don't they we do this? Head. Hold on. Why don't we do this? Hold on. Hold on. I have access to... Let's see. Because the reason I haven't watched it is because it's not on the Let's street. watch it live. It's not, well, here we go. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. I have access to a, 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 a... Oh, it's on here. Okay. So what we can do is... Uh, I'm not going to be here. We can do it for next week. But there's a streaming yep. platform that we can use that's not going to get pinged for copyright. And we can all watch it together as one big happy family. We can have a watch party. So I'll Let's set that up. Do this. And Sign it. It's already on the calendar, bro. It's already on the So whoever wants to join us can join us. The deed has been yeah, done. Bro. 35 people. 36. Look at that. 36 people. So Yo, real quick. 36 chambers. I got I got one little hanging chad that Thomas. I'm so glad you said something, Thomas, about the pandemic. Turns out there is a term. Lightly, sir. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Whoa. Yeah. There is a term in his glossary that came up in his day, Spinoza's lifetime. Uh kind of birthed out of some of his works and it's probably a borrowed term it probably has other proliferations but it does have a kind of a touch point to this pantheist right and the word is eudaimonia e-u-d-a-i-m-o-n-i-a it means uh human flourishing a contented state of being happy and healthy and prosperous and there is a lot going on there, but I just want to say that while this uh, this breakaway civilization Spinozist is proliferating his own works, seeding the consciousness to generate a Gnostic movement of essentially like renegades. People are like, no, nah, I'm not down with this system. 
what what else is there? And then they just like the Gnostic movement. Oh, there's this other this other option. Well, they're going to end up in this eudaimonia back in the 1600s, like 1650s. Well, sure enough, it was only a matter of a few years later that um, they put out the Paradise Lost in 1667 was when that was launched onto the collective consciousness. And in Paradise Lost was Pandemonium which is the house of all demons. And what I see here is propaganda warfare, where the Spinozists have eudaimonia, which is like all happy-go-lucky paradise uh, as their highest ideal. And then uh, the London fires break out. Uh, uh, Sabotage Zeddy movement pops off. Fucking Hillary Clinton is in the screen right now. In the fucking, and then we have the b- initiation of a uh, prize law where everybody's birth certificates are lost at sea because of the London fires. And so this very fascinating parallel between the uh, pandemonium, the house of all demons in paradise loss and eudaimonia of the Spinoza's atheist movement seems to have very common roots. And there's probably more to that later that I can elucidate on, but it is quite fascinating to me that the whole world just bowed down to something with a very similar name. Oof. Oof. Yikes. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll save that one for next time. This was, this is great. This is really fun. I mean, time flies by when you're having fun and when you're surrounded by a good group of people, we're at 37 followers on it. Also I have 99 patrons. The next patron that signs up, I'll send them a care package comic book. So I'll send I'll send him something. So patreon.com slash Oh, you heard it here. You heard it here. Next Patreon sub gets something sick. Next Patreon sub gets something sick. The the hundredth hundredth patron. You gotta do the hundred and one too, because the one oh one highway one oh one in Cali is the shit, son. Right up there to the motherfucking Bohemian Grove. You already know Santa Rosa be the spot, be the place, Highway 101. Yeah, already yeah, know, baby. Yeah, I like your, <laughs> I like your, your suit, bro. Your little thing there. So, yo, can you hit, can you hit the, the, the frog for us one time before we get out of here, bro? Yo, let me get a beat. Let me get a ribbit. Let me get the heat. Hey. Let me get the what? <laughs> let me get the beat. Let me get the two. Let me get the three. Let me get the what? 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 Hey, hey. So, you guys want to plug anything before we? Get the F out of here. Anything else? Yo, I always want to plug my uh my MK Ultra Paranoid pamphlet, which is oh, you want to give them a preview the ongoing of the series of the homunculus pamphlet. Uh, why don't you just pop open the Instagram or Twitter or something? All right, yeah, you, get if, a little screen if you haven't seen it already, you should be following on Twitter and Instagram, and you can see this is the first one. You can see this one at mkultracomic.com, and it's a full breakdown of the entire history of uh mk ultra from bluebird Damn. all the way to modern day it's got rfk assassination jfk assassination it's got castro uh, assassination plots in there there's a frank olsen uh there's a story about the the cia feeding this guy harold blower about like 60 times a regular dose of mdma killed him he went in for depression after a divorce it's got names dates people places times things all facts you can show it to your grandma and tell her that she's been wrong about everything. Here's a, a CIA operation where they actually investigated 
witchcraft. Don't do that. True that's, example. That's fucked up, dude. Don't do that. Let her have it, dude. <laughs> no. She's only around for so long. Let, let, let her have it. Yeah, so... She needs to know about Impiotra. She needs to know about Homunculus. And the, the second pamphlet that's coming out is going to be all about the history of the homunculus. So you got you got some previews you want to show on? Yeah, we got a we got a winner. We got Rah Rah, and then we had a Robert Anastasi, I think, sign up as well. So I'm at 101, but Robert's Robert's in Canada. I was going to show Robert some love, but I don't know about. Can I ship to Canada? I don't know. Can you ship to Canada, Parent North American? Now we got to get to 111. Yeah, All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll Robert. I'm, I'm still. I'm gonna send you some stickers too, bro. And I would ship things to Canada, but I don't actually think Canada is real. I think it's a projection of a no, hologram. No, no, no. That's Canada the wrong, 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 wrong podcast, bro. Wrong podcast. We can't talk about that one right now. But yeah, okay. shout out to Ra Ra. I'm gonna send me your address on Patreon, and I'll send you the stuff, bro. I'm a man of my word. I'm a homunculus of my word. But let me pull this up real quick. Hold on. So, what do you want me to do? Oh, just just pop open uh, the Instagram and just show some of the previews that we've been posting on the Homunculus pamphlet. We only posted two, I think, though, bro. Well, I got to be a little bit stingy. Okay. But actually, no. Uh, on on Patreon, let me. see. You want me to show them the one on Patreon? Patreon? I mean, why not? Right? They they've been here with yeah, us. Yeah, let's do it. Let's it's show late. the Patreon. Show show my Patreon with all three patrons, which I think one of those is you, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, pull up, pull. See, let's let's show people what they're missing by not being part of the paranoid American Patreon, where they could have been getting these uh these deep sort of insights on the homunculus pamphlet Damn. way ahead of time. Shout out to Catherine; she signed up too for the Patreon. Any anyone who's on here, send me a message. I'll get you some stickers. But Raw Raw gets the care package because he was first. I nice. want to be like, but I'll send. I'll show you guys some love. Uh, let me pull this up here. Let's see, patron. We got par- some help here. Par- yeah, paranoid American. Here we go. Here we go. So, all right. Boom, baby. All right. So this is uh from the homunculus pamphlet preview exclusive gushy gushy goodness up in here on the paranoid American Patreon. Don't don't mind that uh, patreoncom American. Don't 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 worry about that. But yeah, we have here. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. <laughs> These are just some panels. We're hard at work right now, working on it. So again, you have to destroy the homunculus in order to extract its magical oh, essence. Shit. And then you oh. got the one describing how uh, you have to. One of the very important aspects, and this isn't a joke. I mean, it's comic book and it's illustrated, but it's not a joke. Yeah, look into one my of the eyes, things bro. that you you have to understand when you're going to create a homunculus is that. They do not have a soul. No matter how they act, they don't actually have a soul. Let's apply this to AI too, but we'll, we'll step back from that. Yeah, so buddy. if you know that it doesn't have a soul, you also have to be be prepared at any moment to destroy it. You need to be able to terminate that homunculus. No matter what kind of logic it tries to plead with, you have to be able at a moment's notice just smash it and take its blood and use it for magical powers. Yes, it's part of the lore. And again, you can have your homunculus do anything for you. You can have it file your taxes. You can have it mow your lawn. You can have it whatever. Clean your gutters. You name it, he'll do it. And then, you know, you put it on. You put its 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 bodily fluids on your feet. And it, you can walk on water, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, right? All the good stuff. You can fly. Fly, that's correct. You can fly. Yeah, you can, uh, again, this is the Paracelsian. So this- well, this is a preview of the the homunculus kit, but uh, we're not allowed to sell the kit yet, the physical kit. 
So right now we're going to have to it's probably It's because of the Pentecostal the Christians that are in Florida. They, they... The Pentecostal Christians, there's also venomous snake laws. I don't want to get into all the specifics, but because of venomous snake laws in Florida, we're not allowed to sell the actual homunculus kits. Once we figure out a loophole around that, we'll start shipping those as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we have to figure out the logistics of it, but it's all good in the hood. And then here you have the little homunculus in the sperm, as was thought by the by the there's that devil tarot card bro that's exactly what it looked like aristotelian so true ideas there's even there's even two balls <laughs> just no cane right right under the cane. <laughs> so this was fun and yeah good times we're gonna have to do it again had a good turnout big time want everybody to stay but... safe and you got slick dissident on yeah, youtube yeah. plug your stuff right I get down on the Interverse podcast with Chance Garton on the Rockfin. Uh, you catch me over on uh, Rising from the Ashes too. We got a, quite a few mm. things in in the in the fires, and everybody get your Occultist Monday. Don't miss out. Good stuff. Occultist Monday, Ko-Fi, yeah. Ko-Fi dot com slash tjojp. And... Oh, and weaving spiders. Can't forget my spiders, y'all. Absolutely. Over on the Weaving Spiders webs. Thank you for all the ones that signed up for that. We had an uh, Abella as well sign up. Well, Abella window cleaning. Shout out to you. Appreciate you. And yeah, yeah guys, you got to make sure. Right, it's very dangerous when you're when you're getting into this kind of territory. And you got to make sure that you that you, when you get too close to the truth, you know they come a knocking sometimes. FBI, so. open up. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.